Poor guy might not know what's going on, but at least he's very happy. Welcome back, extra beautiful, extra amazing human beings here to the bestpoliticalshow.com as, of course, we have a lot of really awesome and interesting people here in studio, in-house right now for a very crazy conversation surrounding a lot of the news that's developing and breaking right now, as, of course, we have the news of the demise of an American citizen in Ukraine that is extremely concerning. There's a lot of news surrounding Rand Paul, the election cycle, and, of course, let's not forget the new conflict and war that just popped off in Yemen. We're going to be talking about that, plus a lot more, all for the next two hours here at Vivek's headquarters in Des Moines, Iowa, where, of course, we are going to be doing a lot of on-the-ground coverage with Vivek, who's also going to be popping in on this show. Not on this particular broadcast, because we have a lot of great people here, but for future broadcasts that could happen at any moment when we figure out all the technical difficulty stuff, as I hope the video the audio's coming in clearly. It's been a lot of work here. So if you appreciate the work that we do, don't forget to share this broadcast with your friends, with your family members. We're going to be going live for the next two hours. The conversation on Rumble definitely is going to get spicy. There's a lot of woo-woo topic. There's a lot of health topics that I definitely want to talk about. And you could participate in that conversation by, of course, also very simply and easily signing up to LukeUnfiltered.com. We have memberships as low as $8 a month. And with your membership, you, of course, get the ability to call in and sign in and be able to ask us whatever question you want to ask us all, specifically on LukeUnfiltered.com. When you sign up, you get a lot of different incredible things, and you being a part of the conversation is one of those things that you get. You could also be a part of the conversation by going to MySuperChat.com and, of course, super chatting us with just a 3% service charge. YouTube takes 30. MySuperChat.com takes 3%. And your Super Chat actually shows up on screen, which is really cool and really amazing. We, of course, will be reading off all the Super Chats, all the Rumble Rants, all the MySuperChats.com, as, of course, your support of this independent media organization is crucial and absolutely important, as, of course, the conversation Today is definitely going to be a very interesting one as we got a lot of really awesome people in studio today. The first one of which is the one and only Mike Cernovich. Mike, for the people who might not know you and might be living under a rock, who are you and how would you introduce yourself? Well, I'm making a movie, um, so I would just go by filmmaker now, but I, I shapeshift a little bit. So in 2024, we'll call myself a filmmaker. Uh, the David Icke shapeshift or, or the, the other kind of shapeshift? I, I like to keep things ambiguous, right? Let the audience interpret what they want from the shape-shifting. I love it. Phil Labonte is also in the house. Phil, uh, people who don't know you, who are you? My name is Phil Labonte. I am the lead vocalist for the heavy metal band All That Remains. I'm also a contributor at uh, TimCast.com, IRL kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. You know, that's Some that's, that's something out there. I, I, I've heard I heard a little bit about it on the, the social media. It's just, just a little bit there. Some things and stuff. Josie, the red-headed libertarian, also is in the house. How are you? Hi, I'm Josie, the red-headed libertarian. I, uh, I'm i on X at TRHL Official, and I do outside media work at TimCast.com, and I moonlight as a demonic calendar model. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely see the demonic uh, aspect here. Clint Russell, Yo. the one and only Liberty Lockdown podcast dude who helped us set up these uh, uh, limp... Um, Microphones. Yeah, yeah. Well, aside from that, I also uh, bought everything to make this actually happen. So, yeah, 
Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, Clint Russell at Liberty Lockpot on X. Liberty Lockdown is the ho- host of Liberty Lockdown, co-host of Tower Gang, and most importantly, co-host of the best political show.com. We've got a lot to cover. Let's hop in. Someone said the audio might be a little bit too. I think I too low. I think we just fixed that. But uh, trust me, there, there's been a lot of technical difficulties. Um, Clint's a G. Clint actually helped us out a lot to make this show happen. As of course, uh, it's it's been a lot of work, but it's definitely worth it. As we've been here on the ground in Iowa, crazy snowstorms, crazy political campaigns. It, it's it's wild over here. And uh, truly, thank you for everyone for being a part of this independent media broadcast. We we already have one super chat from Susan Wojcinski, former C. CEO of YouTube saying Super Norwich 23 Womp Womp. I don't know what that means, but thank you for your super chat. Thank you for participating in this independent media broadcast. As of course, I wanted to go to the first story that I think is absolutely incredibly important to talk about. And that is this post from Alex Rubenstein that just talked about how Gonzala, Lyra Gonzala, has passed away and is no longer with us. For the people who haven't been following this story, this is an individual who is an American citizen who has been seen as an independent journalist who was critical of the Ukrainian regime. We saw him just a few weeks ago talking about how he was able to get out of prison where he was held there for some of the content that he was releasing online. He talked about how he was being tortured by the Ukrainian government. He was making his way through the border from Ukraine and then once again was apprehended. And after being apprehended, after making videos on social media, he said, if I am captured, if I am Uh, held captive by the Ukrainian government once more, my life will be over. And essentially, that's exactly what happened here. This is this is big news. This is an American citizen. What is what is your guys's reaction to all of this is this is this is a major story. So I read uh, some of the last letter that he sent to his father uh, a couple weeks ago or a week or two ago. Apparently, he had uh, double pneumonia, pneumonia in both lungs. He had he was dealing with a, another bronchial infection as well. He was having a hard time breathing. If he would get up and walk around, he would pass out. So um, if I understand correctly, he was, you know, getting poor treatment in the Ukrainian hospital. They looked at him as a, a spy, essentially, or some kind of Russian asset. Um, and I don't know how true it is. I've never been to a Ukrainian prison, but I've, you know, you hear stories about Eastern European prisons and, I can't imagine that they're they're based on total imagination, you know. I mean, they're they're really rough spots, and the same thing probably with the healthcare in a country like U- Ukraine, which is in in a, the middle of a war with massive, you know, shelling and, and conflict all over the place. So it's it's not a surprise that he passed away. I don't know if there's anything more nefarious than the fact that he was in an unfriendly country criticizing the unfriendly country while he's there, like. That's dangerous stuff. Yeah, I, I say it is a surprise because the Ukrainian government essentially held an American citizen captive. They were responsible for his health and well-being. And clearly, whether it was an accident, whether it was natural health uh, that, 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 that got Gonzalo, they were still responsible for his safety and well-being. I hold them accountable for what they did to one of our citizens. And this is, this is outrageous. This is a country that we have given so much of our tax dollars to to finance this larger war. And now they're treating our American citizens in horrendous conditions where they die afterwards. That's just unacceptable, in my opinion. And to torture is a war crime. And then on top of all of this, you know, we're sending money out to defend Ukraine's democracy. And at the same time, what are they doing over there that's democratic? You know, they're 
They're canceling elections and they're closing churches and they're jailing reporters. None of that is democratic. And, you know, then they're uh, um, conscripting citizens to fight in the war. This is this is not a democracy. This is this is. I don't know what this is. Yeah, and and then for 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 criticizing the regime there to to be essentially to to be essentially sentenced, um, that's just totally outrageous. Tucker Carlson just tweeted about this, and he talks about how Lira was an American citizen who was tortured in a Ukrainian prison since July for the crime of quote criticizing Zelensky. Biden officials approve of this because they like to apply the same standards here. The media agrees. Here's a statement from Gonzalo Lira's father as he released the 19-minute video now on his X profile that, of course, people could watch now. Mike, you had uh, a, a different kind of perspective on this. You tweeted, the Ukrainian regime murdered a U.S. citizen. And um, I, 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 I agree with your take. This is absolutely crazy and, and, in my opinion, totally unacceptable. Also predictable, though, the, you know, good old Gonzo, he was... I think a problem that people who grow, grew up or spent too much time in America realize is the rest of the world isn't isn't like it here, right? And because I followed his stuff when he was Coach Red Pill, yeah. Yeah, I'm aware of his you know shenanigans or whatever. Not to speak ill of the dead, it, what happened was his wrong, obviously. I think for a lot of people though, they're, they're operating under a strange sort of denial. So everyone says, "Oh, the regime wants us locked up and dead." But I'm going to go to Ukraine and, and criticize Zelensky. And you're like, well, why would you do that? And then now some people are going to, oh, victim blaming. I should be able to do. There's this mindset like, well, I should be able to do it. It's like, well, great. You can't. You can't. Sorry for you. So what happened with him, the problem I have, though, with what happened is he had pneumonia. He didn't commit any crimes. If you actually follow what he did. He was kind of clumsy. Even even the Russian with the attitude guys kind of like made fun of him. They saw him as kind of um, bumbling his way through things. Yeah. So the idea that he was committing espionage was, of course, laughable. So he didn't do any of that. He was just sort of stumbling around, and then he started going viral a little bit. You get that, get that buzz. Mm -hmm. And then the Ukrainians first kind of gave him a friendly warning that he should leave, and he admitted that actually when he was at the border video. They said, hey, you know, you might want to leave, and he didn't. So then he got arrested, released, and then, of course, we all saw that master-long thread where he was trying to get to the border and leave Ukraine. So there's really no... It's not surprising to me that they killed him. I assume that he was already dead and we hadn't heard from him. Mm -hmm. And it, sh it should be appalling and it should be news and everything, but, like, nobody cares, dude. The regime doesn't care. No. Media doesn't care. That That's what's going to happen to you if you go into these areas. So even me, I don't. I won't travel... I had a lot of trips, you know, playing in Europe, and I won't travel because they'll just kidnap you, dude. Yeah. That's the whole thing. America, like, we've been propagandized to believe that the, oh, we're, we're freeing the oppressed, blah, blah, blah. Dude, they will kidnap you so fast if you're anywhere close to Ukraine. Some, a gang will. They will torture you, post it on Telegram, and laugh about it. So me, I'm not, and I'm not even critical of you. I feel bad for Ukraine. Because mm -hmm. all their men got killed, yep. so that our DC establishment can launder money. So I'm actually so pro-Ukrainian. I didn't want two or three hundred or four hundred or five hundred thousand of them to die, which was inevitable. But even then, they'll put you on some list and they'll kill you. That's just the reality. It's like it's like mess with the cartels. Yeah. If I criticize the cartels all the time, I wouldn't go to Mexico. I, I even mind my p's and q's with the cartels because Dude. they'll, you know, they'll take a trip up and. Handle you anyway. You got to realize what you're dealing with. Eastern Europe is 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 it's not like like you were saying. It's Eastern Europe, and there's a lot of places in the world that are not like the West. And people in the West have this 
this idea that, well, because I'm an American or I'm from the from, you know, Canada or the US or the UK, like bad things don't happen to me. And that is just not the case. It's just not the case well, at all. But so, we're I mean, fighting not, for democracy. Shocked. We're fighting for freedom. Well, we're I'm fighting like, for the liberation look, of the I Ukrainian people. I was under the impression that on this channel that we could speak honestly and not have <laughs> to sit there and repeat narratives that were were uh were given to us from the uh the from on high. But I just I think that it shouldn't really be a surprise what happened. Not, not that again, that's not an endorsement, but like the whole of the Ukrainian war is is like like Mike was saying, the whole point is for for money laundering and and to to keep some kind of conflict going for the essentially for the 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 war pigs or whatever you want to call it. You know, um, yeah, you made a point at lunch that I thought was very uh, interesting and very important. And I don't, I don't know if you want me to bring it up, but you essentially said um, something to the point where they need some kind of conflict. They need some kind of war. And, mm -hmm. and I think Ukraine is that kind of war that they're able to do a lot of their other CD kind of behavior, which also doesn't just include trading arms, but of course, trading people, human trafficking yeah. and uh, having an excuse just to uh, I go as far as to say uh, sacrifice children at the altar of Baphomet, but that might be too much for, for some individuals. But that's just my See, own personal I, take I on think, it. I think we're actually missing the, the bigger point is that Gonzalo was an American journalist. Maybe he was bumbling and stumbling and whatever. But the reality is the Ukrainian military and the Ukrainian government is only standing in the you know deteriorated state that it is because of American taxpayer dollars. If our State Department doesn't see fit to go and and free an american journalist even while, while pressure, we are keeping them alive even that, apply pressure they didn't they, I, they like did nothing there, there was no state department right. messages sent to say hey look this is this is an american and you know there but was that's nothing why, no, that's but that that's the whole point like i had trips planned that i canceled after the ukrainian war broke out mm -hmm. because all, all you need it's so mob it's all mafia control that it really is more like the movie Taken in Ukraine. It, yeah. it really is like that in, in a lot of parts. So my, I guess my beef, not beef, the wrong way to put it, but my frustration with people who understand the truth is you're like, oh, yeah, all these things are happening, but la, 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 I'm going to hop on a train in Ukraine, dude. Mm -hmm. You couldn't get me. You couldn't get me anywhere near that country. I wouldn't even go to a bordering country. I don't even know. Well, maybe Serbia because the Ukrainians might not mess around in Serbia. But I wouldn't. Even, I don't even know that I would risk a trip to the you know former Yugoslav Republic. So that that's for our people or people who watch this. They 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 have this childish belief that you can just walk wherever you want because yeah. oh it's moral, it's principles, or whatever. Like it, it isn't. So the State Department, why didn't they say anything? Because like they think it's funny because they would do that here if they could. So they think it's funny that this happened to him. Kind of doing yeah. it to Assange right now, right? Well, they did to Assange for ten years, right? He he was he was kept under wraps. They made Snowden go to Russia, remember? But then now they say well, he was a Russian asset. That, well, the only yeah. reason he's in Russia because they interrupted his flight. So that that's just a whole lie. So people, it's like our people, the people watching, they know the truth, but then they can't connect the final dot. It's like, oh, I have this forbidden. Not it's like you're not a little kid and you read a book. Harry Potter, and now you know the secrets of the magical kingdom, dude. Like these, when people like me say they want to kill you and hunt you down, this isn't hyperbole or I want you to, to click on the tweet. This is objectively true. So then you have to avoid situations where they're going to be able to kidnap and murder you. So for me, that means I, I cancel a lot of planned travel. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of different rules to this game that you really have to follow carefully. And this is a escalation. This is a changing of the rules where essentially they're saying, 
We don't care if you're an American citizen. We don't care if you're a journalist. We'll take you out. And they did this under Obama's regime. They did this with his uh, deposition uh, matrix. They did this with Barack Obama personally signing off on the extrajudicial assassination of American citizens and teenagers. Um, so now we see the same kind of policies being brought back by the Biden administration through a proxy, through, of course, a government that we are heavily influencing by giving them a crap ton of money, a crap ton of arms, a country that is extremely corrupt and has a history of having their politicians bought off. The Russians used to buy off their politicians. Now the Americans are buying off their politicians as uh, the, the corruption in Ukraine is pretty palpable, to say the least. Scott Adams uh, tweeted in regards to this story, quote, you have to know the players. Once you do, you learn that everything you suspected about Ukraine appears to be true. Well, and uh, th- this is this is a, a big escalation, in my opinion. Well, they're, they're hard people. I think another aspect of this that Americans miss especially is not I'm not going to say I wouldn't have a I have a pretty harsh view on the world, which is you shouldn't go into another person's country and mess around. Yeah. Just like Johnny Somali going in Japan. He's lucky that that's all that happened to him. If he'd have done that in Ukraine or something. They would like handle them. So what people in the West especially don't understand is whether it's through genetics, harsh environment, people have their own theories. Eastern Europeans are a different breed, but people kind of look at them and say, oh, they look like us and talk like us. They must be soft Westerners and they don't. They have a strong ethnic identity. Mm -hmm. They are real nationalists. American nationalists aren't real nationalists. We pretend to be. They're real. They're real nationalists. Like, no, this is my country. I'm Ukrainian. So the, the irony in all of this is that the Ukrainian nationalists didn't realize that they were being pied pipered into eliminating the problem of the globalists, right? So the real thing with Ukraine that isn't talked about often enough is that if you're the globalists, you, you think, well, why don't we propagandize our nationalists into believing that they can beat Russia because the U.S. is going to help us and give us everything we want? And then we can just get rid of that problem because nationalists in any kind of country are a huge problem for, for the globalist regime. So then they, you know, I, I've heard 500,000. I've heard 200,000. All I know is a friend of mine was in Kiev very recently, and he said, you don't see a man anywhere because they're all in hiding because they don't want to be kidnapped. Or you see men with their legs blown off. Right. So the, the men are either gone or they have their legs blown off. So how many hundreds of thousands is that? You know, we don't know. And the participation of the nationalists in Ukraine, so fortunately Poland learned that lesson because they're pushing back against their the globalists in Poland. But you look at how quick the the pol the, the Polish people had to fight back. So that's what happened here is Ukrainian nationalists got pied pipered into a war with Russia, directed by our demon demonic administration or regime. And they're gone, dude. And I don't know how people can't be sad about that. Yeah, it's it's that an entire yeah, it's an entire generation of people that will never come back. That Zelensky says he's just going to replace by allowing migrants to come on in and uh, fulfill the the Goldman Sachs and the BlackRock contracts. That? How, that they disgu- have. how disgusting yeah. is that? He's like, we'll just replace them as if they have as if they weren't people. Like that is just and, and that's the problem with the national. That's the pr- that's where like on Ron and other people criticize nationalism, and I. I found the critiques compelling, and I still do, because you can Pied Piper nationalists into this. So I've mm-hmm. always told people, you need to actually think more like the globalists. The globalists have, it's like I tell people, I don't live in America. I live in a country that's occupied by a hostile regime, the same as when the Nazis occupied uh, Paris, 
the same as when the Soviets occupied Poland. I don't have a country, you know, and if, if more people think like that, which the, the articles on recruiting show that that's catching on as a, as a view, then they can't pipe piper us. Oh, you got, we got to fight the Houthis. That's our patriotic duty, bro. Mm-hmm. So the Ukrainians, they, they had that nationalism. And then it's like, Oh, Russia's taking over land. It's like, what land are they taking over? They're taking over ethnically Russian land. It's a line on a map. With and they're all Russians and they want to be with Russia anyway. And the the Nazis are bombing them, so the Russians had a moral cause to to move in there. But if you're if you're too nationalistic, then the globalists, just like they did post nine eleven, oh, this is about America and everything. So Mike, that that's what we got to think more. Once like. you once you do accept that reality that you you don't actually have a representative government and that you're being ruled by you know foreign or just evil entities or however you want to look at it. Uh, I, I have certainly embraced that perspective as well. I'm just curious, like, what next? Like, what once you once you have that realization, what do you do with it? Well, it's great because you're you're free from the traps, right? All all the traps are. So I remember post 9/11 patriotism search. We'll never have military like that again in our life. The post 9/11 military was the smartest, most professional. You had guy. Well, I mean, you had people like Pat Tillman giving up NFL careers. You had guys giving up Wall Street careers. It was the most patriotic force that you're ever going to have in the world because there was still that American nationalism. And what happened? I mean, because like, I never deployed, you know, and I used to like feel like, oh, man, you know, I missed a boat on that. I wish I had. You know, it kind of bothered me. But almost everybody I know who deployed is like, I can't believe I deployed. Oh, I am yeah. so pissed off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, I used, it's like grass is always greener. I was always like, man, dude, I can't believe I missed my opportunity. The G- I was I was a young child. I had that same feeling um, in 2001 in New York City growing up around everything. I was like, I want to be in the military. I want to enlist. I even signed up. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm a young child. I want to I be a part of the military because that was the, the kind of feeling we were all kind of left with, propagandized after this huge kind of emotional manipulation that kind of took over everything. Phil, I'm sorry, you had something to say? Uh, no, go ahead. You're no, saying. No, no. Well, it, I was just going to say the you know, I... I was, I think, 18, 17, 18 when, when it happened, and I had so many friends that wanted to enlist. I was very, I was fortunate in that I was very anti-war um, very early on, so I, I actually talked two of my best friends out of enlisting, and, and it was funny. They actually didn't, they wanted to enlist right before 9-11 happened, now that I remember, and, and they said, what's the last war we've been in? Desert Storm? There's going to be no wars. And, and then we were just like 20 years of constant war right after that. It's just, it's amazing that shift that happened right after. Well, I, I had a, f- a friend of mine that happened to him where he was in a Ranger Battalion, which if you're not at war is about the worst experience you can have in your life. And he, his time came up, so he got out because nobody thought it was going to be 20 years. Mm-hmm. So there are actually a lot of guys who wanted to go over. But like in my case, I was in law school and my time in the National Guard expired. So I was like, okay. I, a friend of mine was with the original um, invasion, mm-hmm. so that you know they were the guys knocking down uh, the statues and everything. And I was like, oh well, that's over. My time's done. I'm kind of out of it. And then because that's how everybody thought. Everybody yeah. thought, oh, you missed your opportunity, and you just kind of go on with your life. Nobody saw it was going to be 20 years. So that's why when you talk to guys who deployed or had multiple deployments, very few of them are like, oh yeah, this is cool. I'm glad I did it. They're they're pretty angry. Nothing. About it. Nothing. I think that. Nothing has spread like libertarian ideas more than the GWAT. The global war on terror turned a lot of young guys and young women, but a lot of young guys that believed in the in the government, believed in the system, 
were very patriotic after 9-11. They go to war and they come back and then you see the massive surge of dudes that were endorsing Rand Paul in 2008. And same thing in 2012. And there was just this massive surge of dudes that went to war and, you know, served honorably, but were like, this is not what it was supposed to be about. You know, this is not, yeah. and it, which is it, that it, that kind of echoes what you heard after from the dudes coming home from Vietnam. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a re young kid back then, but like, I remember stories and I remember like, you know, hearing my dad and his buddies talk about Vietnam because they were watching like, uh, they were watching Ram First Blood 2, Rambo. Mm -hmm. yep. They were talking about what it was like and, and talking about the way that the government treated the GIs that were that were coming home and stuff. And you were starting to hear the, the guys that were in the global war on terror talking like that, like, you know, there's all these things that have happened. There's all the people that are coming, you know, getting sick because of all the burn pits and all that stuff. And the, there's all the problems with the with the VA that almost all are guaranteed to happen when you go to war. And then 20 years later, you've got dudes that are that really need the help. You know, your your VA's over overrun and stuff. It's 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 just something that 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 you you hear frequently from from one generation to the next. You go to war, and constantly there people are just like it wasn't wasn't what it was supposed to be it wasn't what i was sold and i kind of yeah. and i kind of more us service members supported ron paul than any other republican yeah. presidential candidate out there including when you even combined all the other republican presidential candidates and his main thing that he was running on is these wars are dumb these wars are pointless these wars aren't in the interest of the american people or the american country why are we fighting them and now we're kind of in a very similar situation with the latest events that are unfolding in Yemen. It's a little bit more complicated. It's not as simple since trade routes are involved and there's a longer history with Iranian influence over the Houthis. We're going to talk about that uh, in just a little bit. But Clint, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, the the corollary to the Vietnam vets is actually really good because I I grew up in San Diego, so I knew a ton of Marines and and they all of them had some variant of shell shock from their time in the war on terror. Like and some of them became, you know, massive alcoholics. Many of them dealt with suicidal ideation. Um, it's just really heartbreaking, you know. And and for someone who was already anti-war to then see the consequences for those that weren't and went and fought, uh, you know, valiantly, and to have them come back and be kind of a shell of themselves, it it just really entrenched my worldview that like these wars are not being fought for no noble purposes. I'm not sure that hardly any wars are, but. These certainly were not, and I and I hope that that lesson uh, is not lost, and I hope that it it actually gets louder as it it appears that we are you know ramping up or at least risking a world war on multiple fronts yeah. simultaneously. Yeah, it it, it falls. It, it's you can kind of like you can calibrate how people are falling for the psyops and not falling for the psyops, and the Houthi stuff is like laughable. It's to the it's to the point now, which is. Maybe the pendulum's gone too far. It's to the point now that if there were actually a terrorist attack on American soil and there were actually evidence that Iran were behind it, nobody's going to believe it. Nope. I wouldn't believe it. Not for a second. I don't, I don't care if it really did happen. No, who, who's going to believe that? No, nobody, dude. So with the, when the Ukraine thing ramped up, there was no public support for that. They gave the money anyway because public support doesn't matter. And the yep. regime is saying, well, how much can he get away with or whatever? But... Nobody like nobody fell for the Ukraine stuff. The Houthi stuff is kind of like a thing that people are laughing at. Where if there is a war, like well, who's going to fight it? Good luck with that. They're going to implement a draft. I mean, good luck with good luck with that. You had draft rights during Vietnam, and I can't imagine the draft rights that you would 
that you would have today, right? I, I can't, it, it, I can't, I can't, I can't even begin to comprehend it. So I'm, I'm really curious about That's probably why the regime is focused inward now because everyone saw, which I, there are things that are bad. So I, I think I tweeted out one time that I love the military industrial complex unironically, which people are angry. And there, there's the idea that, well, we just need to abolish our military industrial complex. Yeah, because everybody else is good. So we shouldn't have, it's like, yeah, obviously it's evil, but you think like China's going to be nice to us now, or if you lay down your arms, that's the whole, the whole scam of it all. But so I, I'm seeing us in a predicament now where if you look at the tactics in Ukraine versus Russia, the American armaments used, the shortages of 155 artillery, uh, the artillery, med- um, artillery shells, if you look at the lack of a supply chain, on anything from Patriot missiles, your foreign adversary, you would not be afraid of the U.S. Maybe the Houthis. I mean, we have enough naval power to, you know, you could go full Gaza on them and there's nothing they could really do about it. But if you're China or another superpower, there's nothing about American hard power that makes you think that you couldn't take Taiwan. Yeah. Right? You've watched it all play out and you said taking Taiwan now is the easiest thing that we could imagine. We'll take it whenever we want. Yeah, the Hootsies aren't really that powerful. They're one of the, the, the poorest people on the face of the earth. And they're even uh, mixing up Russian-specific vessels and uh, thinking that they were UK vessels and attacking them right now as we're speaking. As the New York Times has an article just even trying to explain the situation, situation here saying, who are the Hootsies and why is the U.S. attacking them? As I, I, I definitely agree, agree with you and your sentiments here, Mike, and uh, it would be very difficult for them to, to pull off another kind of Gulf of Tonkin incident. And, and I think this is why what happened in 2020 is the way that it kind of unfolded. And what's going to be happening next is going to be far more complex and not just as simple as the kind of old, archaic kind of false flag uh, initiatives that they uh, did with the U.S. Lusitania, the USS Maine. We could go all throughout history. So um, as as our life becomes more technocratic, the the kind of larger psyops that are being implemented against us also get a lot more techno te- uh, advanced technologically in, in a way where it where it becomes a lot more sophisticated. Uh, just so quick quick uh, you know reminder to the audience too. It, it's the the Houthis have been in in war against Saudi Arabia for seven eight years now. Uh, many people believe it's a proxy war between Saudi Arabia and Iran. I, I assume that's true, but I don't really know for sure. But they, as Luke said, they aren't just poor. They are the poorest nation in the Middle East. Like, they are very, very poor. Um, but they are also obviously a very uh, war-friendly <laughs> uh, nation in terms of, like, they. I, I do tend to believe that they, they are being activated by Israel's assault on Gaza, and I think that's probably why they're willing to do what they're doing. Well, well, that's what they originally stated. They said, hey, we're going to stop trade here in this major tra- uh, trade route that everyone is dependent on. Right. Uh, trade prices have gone up dramatically because they're essentially attacking a lot of the boats moving in and yeah. out of their kind of uh, territory. But, and they said, hey, we're going to stop attacking as long as Israel stops attacking Gaza. Exactly. And of course, that's not going to happen anytime soon because Benjamin Netanyahu is politically kind of entrenched in the situation where he knows if the if the conflict is over, his political career is over as right. well. So the situation there is also very complex. Now the United States and the UK sending all of their latest military hardware in order to be targets and to be targeted by these uh, crazy radicals 
Um, I don't think that's a smart decision. I don't think that's a smart move here. And I think that only uh, makes the situation that more th that much more kind of complicated as, of course, the troops in Iraq are also being attacked. Yesterday, there was an, there was an attack on American troops in an Iraqi uh, military base. So what we have Syria a lot of military too. installations in the region and they're just targets. Our soldiers, our people are just targets put on there because of the very horrible foreign policy decisions that are not in our best interest, our country's best interest. That's all unfolding right now in this very horrible situation where G Gerald Salente even came out today and said uh, World War III has started. It already began. It began with the Ukrainian war, and now it's only expanding here as the Houthis represent larger powers connected to the Iranians. They were essentially fighting al-Qaeda that was supported by Saudi Arabia and the United States. The Associated Press had a very crazy article detailing all of this, specifically how Al-Qaeda and the United States were working hand-in-hand hand trying to get rid of these Houthis many, many years ago, starting under the Obama administration, this campaign, and Saudi Arabian coalition actually developed uh, even more under Donald Trump's administration. Now China came in, stopped the war. Now the United States restarted it. And to me, war is dumb, and it makes absolutely there, no there sense at all. There was a famine in Yemen, too, though, right? There's yes. Hundreds yes. of thousands. Yeah, the, the Houthis are being played up by the regime as a way to because what you said luke is true earlier that the the sobs to get more complicated but are you got to realize the the politically incorrect truth about war is you you need infantry and you need special operations and if you go to the infantry battalion they're overrepresented by a certain demographic so if you read that military.com article where the the military freaked out or the army freaked out where the white white male recruitment is almost cut in half yeah. because it, they're they're just and I'm not even anti going in the military. I think it, a lot of people there are opportunities, but you're the people who you need to believe the psyops are the people like the Ukrainian nationalists or the American nationalists, and those tend to be white, especially white Christian males, and they're they're not going to fall for anything. So let let's say the Houthis or the the U.S. more likely bombs a ship. Um, as a false flag, and then blame it on the Houthis. I don't know any, but and I talked, you know, I'm I keep in touch with with the vibes. I don't know anybody's falling for this. I don't know any. I know what the conservative media podcasters are going to say, like, oh, it's time for us to go over whatever. Their audience is fucking dorks. You know, <laughs> the, the, like the people who watch those are fucking dorks. Mm -hmm. They're not going. Right. So the kind of people who are because you know I was in, you were in. Um, my friends deployed and did all the cool guy shit that they're literally movies about. They're not going. They don't know anybody who's going. Mm -mm. So who's going to do it? And our be, that's the a LGBTQ army. Our our people aren't even going to even if it's true, they won't believe it. Yeah, that that's the that's the real problem that I see is the biggest national security threat I see is okay. Sh oh shit, what do we do if there's a real pandemic yeah. now? If what something we, actually happens, yeah. What do we do if there's a real attack? They're not going to believe anybody. Right. That's and and that could be threat. the bigger play here that we should kind of understand here because they could set up a situation where they kind of provoke someone to do something, whether it's uh, Echo Health Alliance or another foreign uh, adversary or another foreign country. And then we're going to think that, oh, this is them doing this again. Let's not fall for it. But in reality, it could actually be a real threat out there, too, which is something that we should think about with just how unfair the entire establishment and system have been to us and putting us in this precarious situation that no matter what happens, we're so distrustful. We're, we're so pissed off that we're just we're just not going to believe anything even if it's legitimate which is 
a threat against us and our and our national security yeah, as well. Clearly, where we are now. I mean, you you can go on X and and no matter what the story is, there are people that are going to adamantly let you know that you're a fool for believing this. No matter, it could be something that you personally experienced yourself. There and 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 there are people out there that that just will not believe things that come from the wrong source and or or any source. They like people. Enough. So yeah, there there is a, a segment of people who are dumb, but they think they're so smart that they can see angles that you can't. Yeah. The 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 one angle though, like with the with the Houthis especially, is I personally, and this is why they're being played up as a threat. N- nobody in the Navy or Marines actually thinks you couldn't take them out pretty quick. Yeah. You yeah. know, so that but that's why the media, so that's why they announced oh these airstrikes, dude. They could have freaking. They could have taken out 50,000 of these people mm-hmm. in a night and not told anybody. But the regime needs to play it up as a threat to make people, oh, there's a new boogeyman now. But people are like, well, they're not really a boogeyman. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if, if we really wanted to handle it, the military could. And I might not even actually have a problem. I might actually not even have a problem with the real display of it. But then you get into the whole human rights and, you know, blah, blah, blah. The, you know, and innocent people. It becomes it becomes a whole problem, but, but I mean, setting aside the the innocent lives that would be lost, I think even tactically, this is this is a dangerous path to take, just simply because the Muslim world is already so furious at what's happening to the Palestinians. If you then ramp it up and you have the UK and the US well, that's going, well, then maybe Turkey spins up a million troops and they decide to to move on Israel. I mean, like this this can get out of hand very quickly, and I I don't think people are taking it seriously. Well, enough. yeah, I mean, you're you're talking. You're talking about strategically because tactically he, he's, he's right. We could, they could, the U.S. military could yeah, wipe no. them all out without a problem. The question is what happens afterwards. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, we could blow up the world uh, many times over already with the latest but, technology but does, that they have, but, but does it the doesn't Muslim make sense. World, I don't know. So the, does the Muslim world really give a shit about what's happening in Gaza? There's a few protests. There's a few statements, but Saudi Arabia is not jacking up. Well, nobody gives a shit, honestly. The Gaza thing is kind of sad because it's the biggest act of performative sympathy that's so clearly fake. The Saudis don't give a shit, or they'd raise, they would just raise. They would say, "Okay, two hundred bucks a barrel for oil now." Till there's a ceasefire, they could they could flip a switch. Mm-hmm. They don't give a shit. Okay, so that's all fake. Turkey, they don't really give a shit. They they were just in Asbirjan with Israel, mm-hmm. Persian, Armenian Christians. Right, so Turkey and Israel are like are fine. Turkey doesn't really give a shit. That's something people make up. Iran says they kind of care, but like not really. Hezbollah, they're not really doing anything. Iran cares because it gives them leverage and gives them excuses yeah. to to poke at the U.S. and, and yeah. Israel. So well, it's just another pawn that they have did. on the on the chessboard. Yeah. But but every every pawn is disposable now. Yeah. Well, I, I actually agree with Cerno on this, but I, I just think that it's this is this is representative of the government's perspective on what's happening in Palestine that's not really representative of the people because uh, i think when you see like if you've seen those protests in turkey we're talking tens and right. tens of thousands of people and they do not look like they're playing around i just don't think that the government has any interest in actually coming to the aid of the right it, it, it's the inverse of here where like we're in America and we don't care about Ukraine and our government says tough shit. Yeah, you have to care. <laughs> tough shit. We're sending the money anyway. Whereas in the Islamic world, the regimes don't care right. about Gaza, but the people do. And the regimes are saying, you know, we, which is just another sign that we live under authoritarianism, <laughs> even though oh, China, the CCP is a big yeah. threat. And look at Saudi barbarians. It's like, yeah, look at look at America, dude. Like talk to a conservative and say, are you more worried about the Houthis, Hezbollah, Hamas? Are you more worried that the FBI is going to assassinate you? 
or are you more worried that you're going to get mugged, and if you punch the guy a little too hard in self-defense, that you're going to get indicted? Or is the right. IRS going to audit you every well, you're, single you're time? You're lucky if that's all they do. Yeah, that's that's. You know, if they keep easy. it civil, you're yep. actually... <laughs> yeah, but that's the way you... Like, I remember I got into it with uh, some guy who he worked with. He was a book agent, and he's worked with Ben Shapiro, so he should know better, and he said something of why are conservatives worried about audits? And I said, well... How about you talk to Ben Shapiro? Because I bet you Ben Shapiro doesn't do this bookkeeping the way everybody else does. He's I, he's come out and said on his podcast that he overpays his taxes I do multiple too. times. Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah that's I, a strategy. A lot of right. people yeah. utilize. And, then, yeah. and I got mad at the guy because the guy didn't reverse course. Because I believe if you're just objectively wrong, you can say like, "Well, I was yeah. objectively wrong." No, I'm the same way. I overpay my taxes by tens of thousands of dollars a year because then if I get audited, they can't make a criminal. Because if they just make it civil, you spend a lot of money to fight it. But then if they, oh, look, if they get you on fraud, now it's a whole criminal case and you have a big problem. But you, in a free country, you, don't, you shouldn't have to think like that. No. Right? Because there are things that my accountant's like, yeah, we're just, you know, we're not going to do, do this or we're not going to fight them on that. California said it owed 5000 I didn't. Just pay the extra. And, but you shouldn't have to live like nope. that. So trying to get people like me to give a shit about the Houthis, you know, good luck. They're yeah. so far down. Even if they are a real threat, I have way, way bigger boogeyman that are actually in the closet. Yeah, yeah, that's Houthis. some good context there. Phil, you tweeted um, a couple moments ago someone talking about how the, the Yemeni people are the only people that are acting in uh, protecting international oh, law and human yeah. rights. And then we have the next article here detailing how the Houthis restored slavery in Yemen, which brings us to, of course, a lot of other countries' involvement here. We're, we're hearing also saber rattling from Russians, but I, but I seem to definitely agree with Mike's kind of approach to here. We hear a lot of saber rattling. We see a lot of different kind of moves and positioning being made on this larger kind of grand chessboard. But what does it really amount to when, of course, internally there's a lot of other civil strife? There's a lot of other things to worry about and be concerned about. I, I worry about this situation a, a expanding and, uh, of course, becoming a bigger global conflict and fight. I think that's a legitimate concern to have here. But domestically, there are other threats here. And, um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree uh, more with you, Mike. Quick question for you guys, because, you know, I, I realize that governments have never really represented their people. But... It does feel to me, and maybe this is just like, this is the reason I'm asking you guys to see if I'm crazy or not. Uh, You're crazy. Yeah, maybe it's just like my path in the, the red pilling process. But I feel as if there has never been a time, certainly in my life, where more governments the world over are more brazenly disrespecting the people that they rule over. I agree. The but 13th, well, The 13th grievance in the Declaration of Independence was that the king and parliament didn't represent the people. So this has been happening... For a very long time, 250 years at least in America. I think that when it comes to, uh, I think the internet has changed so much and it, so much about the world that we live in. I think that there's a lot of things that happened prior to the internet that people weren't nearly as aware of or didn't talk as, as openly with other people about, even though there's, you know, there is a certain amount, a certain degree of, of censorship and stuff that, that happens on most places in the internet. Um, and I think, that has to be put into any any context that you're any 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 kind of situation where people are like, oh, I'm noticing this recently in the past, blah blah blah. I kind of feel like it has to. You have to take into account the fact that we live in a post internet in your pocket world where everyone's connected. Yeah. You know, that I think that that a makes a big difference to the way that we perceive things. The so. the the big difference with the regime is they they've quit lying, which is why I think it's different than um, disagreements in the past. So, for example. 
when they want to do the first Iraq war, the American public was kind of split, didn't want to do it. Then they had the woman come up. Oh, they're killing babies in incubators mm -hmm. and bayonetting them and playing for fun. And they shifted sentiment with a lie. Gulf of Tonkin was a lie. But it, every war was, in our modern life was based on life, unless you think that Pearl Harbor was, wasn't known in advance. But, but at least you had to lie. Now they're just like, oh, yeah, we know that you guys don't give a shit about Ukraine. Like, we don't care. We're going to send the money anyway. Oh, you voted Republican and you got out the vote. Okay, thanks. Thanks for playing, but we're, we're still going to send them the money. Yeah, right. So th they're not even trying to lie to us now. They're not even trying to con us. Like what they're doing with Trump. No, like Mar-a-Lago's Mar worth $25 million. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's right? so brazen. It yeah, is, yeah, yeah. They're just like, no, we're just going to do this. And there's really nothing that you can do about it. Oh, yeah, January 6th was an insurrection. No, it wasn't. Mm. Oh, who cares? Right? So before, so th there's always been the, the case where the government did things that people didn't agree with necessarily, but they were able to through some kind of form of consent, even if it was based on fraud. Right. Right. So the, the they don't even lie. Yeah. Now they just, we're just going to do kind of what we just want. Disregard. Yeah. Well, well, they're people. becoming very bold. They're becoming bolder than ever. As even uh, just a couple of days ago, the New York Times reported how 40,000 weapons worth $1 billion that the United States sent to Ukraine have uh, not been tracked. Where are they? Who are they in the hands of? We don't know. As, of course, there's a lot of very interesting videos of uh, uh, Palestinians with uh, AR-15s. Um, not, not specifically AR-15s, but right, American yeah. uh, M4s, American service rifles that, that look like AR-15s. Um, there's also a lot of intel reports of a lot of uh, shady groups and organizations, in, including Middle Eastern terrorists that now have uh, end laws, that now have specific air-to-ground uh, surface missiles that they could use on, on airliners. That's a legitimate uh, intelligence report that came out specifically de detailing a lot of the weapons in Ukraine go missing. Who do they end up in the hands of? Well, some of the worst people in this world. And this is why, as, as you were just kind of referencing before, they could be, there could be something legitimate. And everyone's automatically going to say, oh, no, 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 that, that, that's the government doing this again when, when again, something uh, really goes off and is, is really crazy here. And again, it's, it's kind of a, a tit-for-tat situation, specifically when it comes to Iran versus the United States. We are seeing a little bit of escalations there, and I wanted to ask you guys, will we kind of see a larger conflict between Iran and the United States? Because Lindsey Graham really wants this. Nikki Haley really wants this. There might be some people that they might be able to convince, but... Majority of people won't fall for it. And um, it an election year. Yeah. It, it, well, an election year, anything could happen, as of course, we, there's stories of now the Iranians seizing U.S. controlled oil tankers, the United States seizing Iranian tankers. There's a back and forth going here. There's an economic war going on here. The Democrats usually like to start a war with Russia. The, the Republicans really like to usually start a war and escalate a war with Iran in the Middle East. Will we see a conflict with Iran this year or, or maybe in the future? What do you guys think? Well, I'm old enough to remember when John Bolton called for Israel to bomb Iran. So mm. um, this has been they've, they've wanted this to happen for some time. No, no, ab ab absolutely, absolutely. It's been uh, in, in the works for, for a very long time, especially under the Project for a New American Century, especially with uh, General Wesley Clark, who I've talked to, and, and, and I asked him about this specific reference that he previously made before, essentially how the Pentagon detailed their larger plans to invade seven countries in a few years. Um, it, it took them longer to achieve a lot of their goals, but a lot of their goals were achieved, and one of the countries that the U.S. Pentagon uh, was going to bomb and attack was, of course, also Iran on that very specific list. Yeah, so uh, uh, will there ever be a conflict, or will there always be this kind of back and forth with China 
having a larger influence here, maybe acting like a deterrent or acting like a party that, of course, would take advantage of the situation. Um, how do you guys think that well, situation could unfold? Like Wesley Clark said, there was going to be seven nations toppled in five years, and this was planned in the days after 9-11. But I actually have some military veterans that have DM'd me saying that they had these plans uh, drawn up on their board, sitting all over their offices in the year 2000. So this had nothing to do with 9-11. This was a plan from the neoconservatives, the the Project for New American Century. They intended to do this uh, probably since the early 90s, if not sooner. So uh, it's no surprise. I, I tend to think that they will eventually move on Iran. Um, I think that there's a, a tremendous imperative to to catalyze a, a wider war, primarily because of the, the debt issue that we're dealing with uh, and, and the I think that they realize that they're kind of like the the sand is getting low in the hourglass and they're like, all right, we're going to have to make these tactical maneuvers while uh, the purchasing power of the dollar still is superior to the rest of the world. Uh, this is kind of the, the Thucydides trap that people talk about with China and, and the U.S. Well, that, that trap has a, has a ticking time bomb on it and it's the national debt and it's it's not getting any better. So I think it's going to happen here soon. It, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this entire kind of situation unfolds because everyone's looking at the Middle East. A lot of other people are looking at Sweden as their government ministers and military officials re- recently came out and said, hey, uh, we got to do everything we can to prepare for war. Now, is this more saber rattling? Is this more fear mongering? As, of course, now we have reports of Sweden's mental health helplines being flooded as the young people there are scared of another potential war with Russia as the government there specifically pointed out Russia as a country that might be soon invading them if, of course, Sweden joins and signs up to NATO. How do you guys think that situation will unfold before we go over to Rumble, where we're going to discuss completely different topics that uh, are going to be really fascinating? I don't there. think that as much as, you know, Russia is a significant size military and stuff, I don't imagine that they're going to be looking to invade Sweden like right after the war with Ukraine? I mean, and maybe, I mean, look, I, I would have said they, they're not going to invade Ukraine, so what the heck do I know, you know? So, but at the same time, I, I, I just, I feel like Ukraine is unique and they have a unique relationship with Russia, whereas Sweden doesn't have that same kind of history. Well, I'll so. do something I rarely do, which is kind of give credence to the neoconservative perspective that if we show weakness... Uh, why wouldn't they make moves that they otherwise wouldn't? And uh, that's not entirely untrue. You know, as much yeah. as I oppose all of this intervention, if if it is proven that that the entire financial and military support of NATO for Ukraine uh, amounted to you know piss in the wind, well, then why wouldn't they potentially uh, start to to push back NATO on additional areas of their border? I tend not to think that they'll do it just simply because it amounts to, you know, you'd have Article 5. There's, it would be a very uh, easy, uh, you know, launch into a, a world war, potentially. So I don't think that they have any interest in that. I think that they wanted Ukraine because they wanted Sebastopol, and, and that's as simple as it gets. But I could be wrong. Uh, we got some super chats here that I think are worth uh, noting before we go over to anyone else who wants to comment on that. One from the Internet guy saying, Pen15. I don't know what that means. He also gave another super chat saying, Side note, absolutely love Cerno's content lately. Keep fighting the good fight. Uh, yeah, man, you've been uh, you've been posting for quite a while. You've released a lot of good stuff. So you're What do you mean a... lately? He's been solid forever. No, 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 f- no I'm, forever. I'm, 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 I'm giving I'll, a hard time to the Okay, comments. got it, got it. <laughs> we got another super chat from Thinker for Life saying, We need a shirt that shows the media is 
owned and shows the financial structure. It's more important message than the lies. I can help with art if you want. I emailed you on September 22nd. Big news. We'll make sure that someone from the team goes checks that out. Another super chat uh, emoji gift thing from Fleeting Floating Feathers and another one from T-Tog saying, do you think the EU will fall? Uh, Will the EU fall? Well, they're definitely going through a lot of very significant problems themselves, especially when it comes to the open borders that they have, especially when it comes to a large number of taxes and socialism that they have. Will they ever fail? No, I think they'll be conquered and kind of taken over as they already have been from within. But that's just my personal take on it. What do you guys think? I don't know enough about the EU's internal politics to make reliable comments on it. I think that the, the biggest problem with the EU is that you have... Uh, Kind of this overarching union, but it's there's a lot of uh, you know independent governance. It's kind of it's kind of like the United States in that way. But you now have some of the more productive states that have you know uh, more of a free market approach, less socialism, that are producing a huge amount of what ends up going into the coffers of the overarching governmental system. So I think that there will eventually that that will sow discontent amongst the high producing nations like Germany against the low producing nations. And and because of that, I think that it'll ultimately dissolve, which is the same reason I have the thesis about the United States eventually dissolving. I mean, um, who knows what's going to happen here as of course, uh, a lot of the people who do wield a lot of power don't really care about nation states. They, they kind of care about themselves. They care about their own interests. And uh, people have to kind of, uh, in my opinion, get rid of this notion that America is acting for America. It's not. It, America has been hijacked by a group of crazy sociopathic individuals that are acting on their behalf and using America as a vessel, I would say, even as a tool, adult tool that we can't mention here on this family-friendly broadcast. Last five minutes. And uh, yes, we're, we're about to transition over to, of course, Rumble, and then finally be able to kind of speak more freely as of course YouTube is very censorious and doesn't allow us to fully express our speech as freely as we want. But before going over to Rumble, I did wanted to I, I wanted to specifically shout out US Senator Rand Paul, as of course I think he has the biggest W of today as yesterday. He came out with a very interesting video kind of hinting the fact that he might be potentially making a big announcement surrounding the 2024 presidential election on the Republican ticket. Everyone thought he was maybe going to be endorsing somebody and he came out today very proudly saying that he supports hashtag never Nikki going against Nikki Haley and the establishment candidate that she is with her neoconservative war hawkish policies here's the video uh, from U.S. Senator Rand Paul with a brilliant troll that he just committed on everyone good morning everyone as I told you yesterday I'm ready to say something about the presidential race I've had a long relationship with Donald Trump and there's a lot to like there. I'm also a big fan of a lot of the fiscal conservatism of Ron DeSantis. I think Vivek Ramaswamy's been an important voice. Also have listened to and met with the independent Bobby Kennedy. I'm not yet ready to make a decision, but I am ready to make a decision on someone who I cannot support. So I'm announcing this morning that I'm never Nikki. And if you go to nevernikki.net, you can let her know that you're not a supporter either. I don't think any informed or knowledgeable libertarian or conservative should support Nikki Haley. I've seen her attitude towards our, invent- our interventions overseas. I've seen her involvement in the military industrial complex, $8 million being paid to become part of the team. But I've also seen her indicate that she thinks you should be registered to use the internet, that people posting ideas anonymously 
I think she fails to understand that our republic was founded upon people like Ben Franklin, Sam Adams, Madison, John Jay, and others who posted routinely for fear of the government. They posted routinely anonymously. And I think her failure to really understand that or to think that you should register through the government somehow for the internet is something that should disqualify her in the minds of all libertarian-leaning libertarian conservatives. So I'm announcing today I'm Never Nikki. You can go to nevernikki.net and sign up and show her that you're Never Nikki also. Thanks. I love it. Brilliant troll or brilliant troll? What do you guys think? Rand Paul's long time, for a long time, Rand Paul's been my favorite senator, so... Uh... I'm, I'm no I'm surprise, right? What? No, no surprise. no surprise. You know, I mean, his dad's the guy that that you know brought me to kind of like libertarian ideas and stuff. So between between Ron, Tom, uh, Tom Woods, and uh, and a few other people, those are the guys that really yeah. put the bug in my ear. To me, it's not at all surprising he would do this, but uh, it definitely is gratifying for me because like people ask me who I'm going to endorse, oftentimes, and I'm just like. Not Nikki Haley. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. The, that's basically the only answer I ever had for him. So it was it was pretty. I I said I'd vote for the Republican nominee a few months back, even Haley, and I, I don't think so anymore. If it was Haley, I don't think that yeah, I could. Yeah, I don't. I, I a few months ago, I I would have in all sincerity, but I don't think so. Well, Vivek had a very interesting perspective on all of this when we had him here during the town hall. And one of the things that he said specifically is that the establishment's long game here could be putting Nikki Haley in into a position of power over a Democrat because she essentially serves the establishment more than anyone else. Yeah, there's 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 they're chipping away at the First Amendment and they're doing it since January 6th. They're doing it by uh, they're attacking the grievances. They're going after religion in different spaces. And this this whole register through the government thing that that Nikki Haley's preaching goes against free speech. So um, so so. So, so we're seeing an attack on the First Amendment, and we're seeing it they, them chip away at it. And I think that that's that's really important to notice, and to notice what that it's the establishment that's leading this attack against the First Amendment. Yeah, there's, and I, and I think that'll be great. I think they really want Nikki in there. I, I think that could be the long play here, as 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 uh, Vivek um, announced. I think that's because there's very little daylight between Nikki Haley and Hillary Clinton. If There's you think so about, much daylight between her ears, though. <laughs> if you th but if you think about the type of policy <laughs> that that Nikki Haley would pre pre uh, prefer compared to the type of policy that Hillary Clinton, like what major policy I position would they have a significant difference uh, on? She would spend. She would want a thirty-five percent top tax bracket versus thirty-eight. Yeah, right. <laughs> like those are the those are the differences. She, and she is the old school. The, the, uh, you know, do nothing meme, yeah. GOP guard. And I mean, yeah, you know, you, you do the meme, too, between you know, what's the big difference between Democrats and Republicans. And it's, you know, but it's true. There's there's not a significant difference between yeah. Nikki Haley and, and Hillary Clinton. Not, well, not she, that I, actually, you know. there is a difference that's important in that the if you have a Republican president in there, the Republican base, at least historically, goes along with whatever they say. So yeah. this is the reason. Yeah. If, if you're going to have Hillary Clinton in there, Better have make real, it Hillary Clinton. Make it Hillary, yeah. Don't absolutely. make it Nikki Haley. Yep. So I'm, I'm, I finally was able to find the website now, and it shows this like very dark, sinister image of Nikki Haley, like she's in a horror film. And then he asks people to to sign up. Um, I don't know what he's uh, collecting information for. Maybe it's for his kind of uh, Senate run or his kind of uh, 
collection, but it's essentially the video and his short message to uh, Nikki Haley. But uh, excellent troll by uh, U.S. Senator Rand Paul here. Definitely something that we need more of, as, of course, if we're not laughing, we're crying. And this political election cycle is absolutely crazy. We're here on the front lines covering it here at Vivek's headquarters. We're going to be embedding with Vivek. On his campaign trail tomorrow, all day long, we're, do- we're going to be doing a very special video about just 24 hours with Vivek. We're going to see how he wakes up, what he eats, what's his routine, what he's going to be into, what he's going to be doing. Uh, you can see that video on, of course, our YouTube channel when, of course, we're going to be making it. You can see the making of that in the process on uh, Twitter and on Instagram on Luke We Are Change, as, of course, we are soon going to be moving over to Rumble. I think, Josie, you wanted to say something uh, before we move over. Is that is that correct? I was going to say that there's a video of Nikki Haley saying that um, her influence or inspiration was Hillary Clinton. So <laughs> No, makes sense. Uh, this, as of course, we're also right now on the front page of Rumble. We are the number one recommended video. So if you're watching right now on any other platform but Rumble, this is the time to go over to, of course, Rumble dot com where you could see our live broadcast you could also go to rumble.com forward slash we are change and you'll be able to find us there directly as of course we just started this podcast about a month and a half ago and we already have 80,000 followers the views that we've been getting have been absolutely incredible here on this independent media broadcast and that's mainly because of your support you guys watching you guys sharing this broadcast we're going to be taking callers in the second hour all through lukeunfiltered.com and And before we, of course, go over from YouTube to Rumble, uh, where can people find out more information about you guys before we uh, transition off here? Josie. Um, I'm the Redheaded Libertarian. You can find me at trhlofficial on x.com. I host a show called Spaces with Josie on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, and that airs live on X, and it also airs for uh, for members only on timcast.com. So you can go head over there, become a member, and help support our work. Uh, Clint Russell, host of Liberty Lockdown, co-host of Tower Gang. Do not subscribe to Tower Gang. It's terrible. Don't do it. Don't do uh, it. But Liberty Lockdown is actually really good. So you should subscribe to that. And you should subscribe to this and you should share it around because, uh, trust me, the second hour of the show is a totally different beast. Cerno was already letting loose. I was holding back. We're going to go ballistic. It's going to be fun. Don't miss it. Phil. 100K subscribers and Clint gets tasered. Oh, yeah, that's story. right. And I get tased at yeah. 100K. But at 200K... I get to tase him for twice as long, so it's going to be amazing. I don't know about the twice as long <laughs> part, but we'll negotiate that later. I am Phil That Remains on X. I am Phil That Remains official on Instagram. The band is all that remains. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, Amazon Music, YouTube, you know, the internet. Mike? Yeah, mikecernovich.substack.com. Yeah, I was cussing. I didn't realize it was not cussing, but... Oh, don't yeah, so we'll be, we'll be even wilder on Rumble, I guess. It, it wasn't too bad, but we'll get pretty wild on, on Rumble. I specifically want to talk about health and wealth because we talked about a lot of the problems. I kind of want to reframe the conversation towards being the strongest, best, happiest version of yourself. And I, I think health is something that you've been talking about, Mike, for a very long time. And I think we could also share our own personal journeys and stories about this because if you're not living a good, happy life, what are you doing? You're losing. The best way to win is to have family, have wealth, have health. That conversation, again, YouTube doesn't like these conversations. That That's something that also gets censored heavily on YouTube. You're on YouTube right now. What are you doing? Go to rumble.com forward slash we are changed. The conversation is going to get absolutely crazy, absolutely spicy. Clint, I think you have something to say. I, I just wanted to say real quick, I actually, I reached out to Mike because I had a heart arrhythmia 
and he he gave me some like a list of supplements to use, and I've been using them ever since, and it has, seems to have helped. So I wanted to thank you for that. I, I had his health care too, and I was like, Mike, Mike, your your MD, <laughs> Mike, help me out here. Uh, so uh, and then you gave me some good information as well here. So so Mike definitely knows a lot of really uh, interesting stuff when it comes to taking care of yourself. So uh, we're going to be talking about that plus a lot more conversation. Again, this is always difficult because I don't know what you guys are doing here on YouTube. Get over right now to rumble.com forward slash we are changed. The conversation continues and goes in far more deeper rabbit holes than you could even possibly imagine. It gets wild. See you over there in just a little bit. As of course, I kind of wanted to start off this video um, with um, some very interesting comments that were made at Hunter Biden regarding some of his activities that aren't usually the healthiest. I know. I know. Hunter. What's your favorite type of crack? Are you on crack today? Do you like shooting cocaine or smoking crack more? <laughs> and for some reason, uh, Hunter Biden never gave an answer here. But uh, I, I think through our renowned, renowned panel here, yeah, yeah, crack, crack is pretty bad. Crack is pretty whack, right, guys? When I first saw this video last night, I was, I was like, oh my god. Luke flew to DC and he's on his. He's coming straight back to Iowa tonight. Incredible! I know. Shouts out to that guy. That was an awesome job confronting was? Hunter Biden. Uh, I'm, I, I think the credit goes out to Eric Parr three 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 eight six seven zero six. Just some random dude. I oh, believe man. it's some random guy. Shouts out to him because we need random guys to do this. We need people to to speak truth to power. And this goes into the larger point of what what Mike described. The system is becoming more brazen because people aren't buying the, their bull crap anymore and people are speaking out against it. So e even though we're dealing with uh, record numbers of kind of psyopses and problems and issues, is it because there's more of them or is it now that we are finally more aware of them? So this is the chicken and the egg kind of yeah. argument that I wanted to lay out for you guys to kind of uh, go off on because some people are saying, this is the worst time than ever. This is horrible. Other people are saying, no, we're just finding out exactly how things work. And this is an, an awakening. This is a renaissance. This is the most important time to be alive since we're able to actually talk to each other freely without any kind of censorious asshole coming in there and saying, shut the fuck up, peasant. We don't have any of that. We have total fucking freedom, total liberty. We have Twitter. We have Rumble, even though they're, they're, they're attacking them as much as they can, but they can't stop us from being able to talk freely like we are right now i personally my opinion find that fucking amazing and it's incredible and it's Shout awesome to, to have you guys uh, a part of this larger journey uh, uh with us am i am i too too filled of, of hopium or uh am i delusional or am i correct what do you guys think you're correct it only takes one one free speech outlet to tumble this communist regime communism is it never works because it's so fragile and it needs complete control. And so we have Rumble and we have X and we have them, uh, the regime going after these 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 owners of these companies to to in any way possible to. So um so no you you have hope because that's the first way to start toppling it is with truth because the people who control the psyops don't want us talking about the psyops freely and we used to be censored when we talked about them. Well, to, to Luke's point about, you know, whether or not it's if, if we're just noticing it or if it's worse than it's ever been in terms of the psyops that are being ran, 
if if you've actually studied this stuff, you know that like Mockingbird and Gladio and the entire inception of the FBI to today, it's been a politicized you know weapon against political dissidents. So this is none of this is entirely new. But I am strongly uh, of the belief that it is absolutely happening at a at a faster pace. I think that that the evidence of that uh, you know since 2020, since the the COVID era, since the lockdown, since that deception, uh, now. You know, we used to have to be lied to, as Mike was talking about earlier. You had to have WMDs in order for us to to go and blow up a whole bunch of nations in the Middle East. Now, with with Russia and Ukraine, they're just like, we like it Ukraine better, so we have to go, and that's it. And and if you if you oppose that, then you love Putin, and that's you know they they browbeat you. But it's it's much more force, and I think that's the the greatest danger about this is that as people wake up to how much bullshit they're dealing with. Well, the regime also realizes that we're not paying attention to the bullshit anymore, and they go to full force mode. And I think that's what's happened with the J6ers. I think that's what happened with the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping case. The The list goes on and on. Yeah, right now, if the New York Times came out and said, uh, we found weapons of mass destruction inside of Iran, they're connected to 9-11, I think the majority of the American public would respond being like, fuck off, yep. fuck you, I'm not falling for this shit. What do you know? It's stupid. It's ridiculous. Look at the gas prices. Look at the rent prices. Look at inflation. That's absolutely wrecking and havoc and destroying our way of freaking life. Uh, so it, it wouldn't work now. Th- this is why I, I, I said earlier, it's going to get far more complex and far more um, grander of schemes that are going to be carried out against the, the people of this world. We see them using less and less of the atrocity propaganda. We did see them try to use atrocity propaganda when it came to Ukraine, when it came to Israel, when it when it came to kind of the recent wars that they've needed support in. They've they've thrown that out. Atrocity propaganda is like the babies in the incubators, you know, from the Naira testimony. Um, the, yeah, the four decapitated babies. So, um, so, so this is the atrocity propaganda. This is stuff that's supposed to get us really angry and involved, and um, and uh, you know, throw our support behind whatever because we're blind with rage, essentially. And I think that that is a way to kind of replace <coughs> the nationalism that we've really lost. Like from nine eleven, we didn't really even need the atrocity propaganda. Everybody just supported whatever they were told at that point. So um, we saw them kind of dip back into the atrocity propaganda, but now they're kind of coming. Uh, there was no atrocity propaganda for, for Yemen. You know, they just jumped us in there. And, and things are being called out in uh, record numbers. You look at what just happened with Southwest. They just uh, made their DEI Twitter post specifically bragging about how their entire flight crew is filled with women. Not qualified individuals, but but individuals who have a, a certain genitalia down in their freaking pants that no one cares about. I, I responded to this like, I don't care what's be- be- between my pilot's legs. I care if they could actually fly a freaking plane. Um, they ended up deleting their post, which I, I-, I thought is- it was-, was kind of very telling as there was a big kind of uh, rebuttal against this woke nonsense. And then we also have the drama that unfolded with Aaron Rodgers, with Pat McAfee canceling Aaron Rodgers from the show, and then later on a few hours literally bringing him back on the show. So uh, Aaron Rodgers got was- canceled and then uncanceled. Well- so, so this is this was Can fascinating. You guys clarify, to see. Was he canceled or was it just because some people said that that was always the plan? So was that I, I to I cancel trying, Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, that he only does it for a certain part of the season and then he's done. I've seen. I don't know. I mean, I don't really. I guess I don't care that much. But I haven't I'm, heard anything to say. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care much about sports. Because remember, Tucker ball, had but... a vacation plan before he got fired. And then everybody goes, oh, Tucker was yeah. removed from the air. And he's like, no, I had a vacation plan mm-hmm. for whatever. 
I don't know. We ha- we have uh, the comments here made by uh, Pat McAfee that I think uh, we could just watch in order What's to the get kind of. What's community note say? It says Aaron Rodgers was not suspended from the Pat McAfee show. He stops making regular appearances once his team season ends. Yeah. Okay. Is the is the season is his team season over? Yes. Uh, I have no idea. I don't, it, I don't follow just sports ended. ball at, at all. But the comments the that, that were next, that, again this weekend. Yeah, the comments that were made here essentially made it seem um, like um, Aaron Rodgers was, was canceled here. I'll, I'll play a little bit of the comments here just to get us um, some perspective here. What we do know is the guy who stopped by yesterday caused quite a conversation. A little yes, bit, yeah. A little bit. Now. Very usual. Not like that. The um, <laughs> yeah. So Aaron Rodgers Tuesday season four is uh, done. Yeah. Oh, ah, season. There's going to be a lot of people that are happy with that. Myself included, to be honest. With the way it ended, it got real loud. Mm-hmm. And uh, real loud. I'm happy that that is not going to be my mentions going forward, mm-hmm. which is great news. We're a conversation show. People are having conversations. We live in a country that has freedom of speech, but also you're going to have to deal with the consequences of your freedom of speech. So what I'm saying is we've given a lot of people who have been waiting for us to fail a lot of ammo and things to attack us for over the last week. And we would love to get back to the point where we just move on and continue to silence all the haters over here who can't negotiate as good as I can, all the people over here who can't create a show as good as us, and all the people up here who just can always be here, and they're going to hustle and do their thing, which I respect. But we need to do that, and that is our focus. That is our goal. And Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. He's a four-time MVP. He's a massive piece of the NFL story. Whenever you go back and tell it, he will be a huge part of it. We are very lucky to get a chance to chat with him and learn from him. Some of his thoughts and opinions, though, do piss off a lot of people. A lot of people. And uh, I'm pumped that that is no longer going to be every single Wednesday of my life, uh, which it has been for the last few weeks. On Friday, obviously, I threw us into the fire as well. Forever stand by that. Everything else, though, <laughs> like, just can't do that and not what we want to be known for. And I'm also pumped that I have to do these types of talks sure. anymore. So with that being said, sports are alive right now. Yep. Yeah, sports balls. Uh, And again, you know, I I could appreciate someone who likes sports and likes working out and likes to take care of themselves. A lot of people are saying that this guy's kind of a coward for for addressing the situation this way. But right after the show, Aaron Rodgers appeared once again on the show when he wasn't supposed to be on the show to kind of clarify here that this was only a seasonal thing. And I think a lot of people misunderstood the the comments originally because it did did seem, unless you're understanding the context, that he usually does take off this time anyway— it, it did seem like he's he's kicked off. He's no, he's no longer co- kind of coming back here. Um, and the community notes is a good distinction. Community notes are, are awesome, and uh, I, I think they've been a great leverage point for uh, countering a lot of the bullshit out there. And uh, sure. sometimes all of us get us get it wrong. Sometimes, and uh, it's it's amazing to be able to admit it and to be able to be honest and transparent about it. Clint, yeah. to to me though, it's. You know, I don't really care about the show. I don't care about any of, any of what they're talking about. I don't care. What I what I do care about is bitches, male men that are bitches when it comes to speaking their mind. And I I, I cannot fucking stand. I thought we were going somewhere else. <laughs> I cannot stand. We can talk about bitches later too. Are we on Rumble so, yet? I'm. I, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're on, on Rumble. We're on, okay, we're on Rumble. Yeah. That's this is the only reason I could talk about it. I'm so fucking sick of of grown men that are so afraid of controversy that they bite their tongue at every turn. He's even he's even saying there like regardless of whether or not Aaron's off because his season ended and he's just going to go on vacation or whatever. That's fine. I don't care. But my point is like he's saying I can't stand the controversy that comes from having him on once a week. It's like dude, 
you're a fucking, you're a public speaker. Like, how could you, at this point in your life, how could you not have gotten accustomed to the firestorm of nonsense? And for the record, what Aaron Rodgers has to say is 95% dead on truth compared to the lies of the, the rest of the people that you, these, these fucking brain dead athletes that you bring on all the rest of the time that no one, that have nothing interesting to say that are just repeating whatever the corporate narrative is. Like this guy actually comes on, he's a thinking human being. Uh, just, He's like, yes, I don't have to think anymore. Yes, exactly. it's all superficial. Yes, it's all <laughs> stats and balls. I could talk about my balls. Yes. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, again, he says a lot of really interesting stuff. And I, and this kind of, uh, I think, could be a very good segue into the kind of larger spiritual aspect of all of this, since Aaron Rodgers uh, talks about uh, a lot of psychedelics that he personally takes, a lot of the experiences he takes. One of the things that I thought was very profound, what, what, what he specifically mentioned, was that after um, doing DMT, he now sees this kind of shadowy figure that, that wears a hat in the stands that doesn't really kind of exist. He sees spirits now after taking DMT. Uh, Mike, uh, I'll kind of revert to you. Um, what do you think kind of going on here as, you know, DMT does kind of open your, 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 your peripheral, your kind of understanding to the larger interdimensional energetic worlds that we're all a part of. Um, some people say that it's, it's a way of, of seeing things that our senses can't see that are actually still all a part of, all, all, all a part of us, all around us, a part of this energetic, uh, um, bundle that we're all kind of encapsulated in. How do you how do you explain him seeing creatures after kind of taking DMT in his real life, not on DMT? I, yeah, I read the article too. The, they call it the Hat Man, and apparently other people had noticed it too. But then other people had said that when they were a kid, they saw it too. And I think the logical explanation is it's just frequency, right? People people think the spirit well, the spirit world is mysterious because it's largely inaccessible to us due to our embodiment and our current senses, but. The same thing is true of microbes, right? So people think, oh, spirit world, that's weird. Because I was reading some of the comments earlier, actually, from our Timcast, or uh, the Tim show earlier this morning, Culture Wars, and people go, oh, I can't believe Cernovich brought up demons. This is what conservatives discredit themselves. Like, well, dude, if I brought up microbes 200 years ago, you'd have me an institution, mm -hmm. right? The guy who initially tried to get people to wash their, to get doctors to wash their hands after they performed autopsies and before they delivered a baby he said germs what are you talking about invisible things on my hands yeah bro you you know you got invisible things on your hands they're called germs you just need a different tool to access them the same thing with a different spectrum of light so even if you're the most skeptic which is a dumb word they're not skeptics they're just angry people who don't want to believe in anything that they can't possibly entertain with their vapid tiny minds you would say well they're clearly Things that exist, i.e. microbes, that you can't see and that you would sound like a crazy person for talking about. You have a microscope, suddenly you're able to see it. Well, there are also different frequencies of light that you can't see. They exist. You you know, UVA, UVB, you can, infrared, can't see it. Okay. So is DMT a, a microscope? It is absolutely a frequency changer. It's a tool of, because, you know, whether it's a microscope or something else is a, it's a like that yeah. it'd fall in that class micro of, or macroscope yeah or a telescope however, however you want to say it it just allows you to access a frequency that is always existing with us but that you can't access ordinarily so do you think that children have been noted to see sh shadow men and ghosts and and then animals you know sometimes seem to see that 
that they can see something that we can't see. Do you think that they are on a different frequency than like an adult human? Well, well it's not just a different frequency. If you look at uh, children, they actually, as soon as they're born, they have a very high kind of dose of DMT in their brains mm -hmm. through the kind of birthing experience. When people die off, they also have a lot of DMT that naturally kind of uh, just goes off in their brain and is fully kind of released here. When we're, we're, we're dealing with children up until the age of, I believe, eight or nine, dependent on the kind of health of the child, they have very high levels of DMT naturally in their brain. So uh, when they dream, uh, they secrete a lot of DMT. And the older you get, the less you kind of secrete when you dream. But children have a lot of DMT in their brain, and this, where, this is where some people go into the kind of adrenochrome uh, conspiracy. We don't even have to go down there, but, but this is why a lot of people scientifically explain how children are, are, are seeing these uh, creatures that, that are not there for the human eye since they're more in, in connect, connected more to the spirit world through their DMT in their brain, through their pineal gland, um, that uh, is their, their kind of larger spirit gland that is also directly under attack through fluoride. Uh, and this is why I tell people not to drink beer. I don't drink beer myself. Uh, beer usually has a high uh, component of fluoride in it. It does calcify your pineal gland and does destroy this larger kind of spiritual connection to the outside world that sadly we're being kind of toned down to. That's just my understanding of it. So what about with animals? They say that dogs protect you from the human world, but cats protect you from the spirit world. So... I don't know. Cats also torture animals for fun, and uh, the, the, I don't like cats personally myself. Uh, you'll see if you do yeah. enough ayahuasca, you'll see cats. For some, <laughs> the Egyptians worshipped cats. Yeah. There's some weird uh, when you when you venture when you venture over there, cats do show up for reasons that I don't really understand. Because I've looked into the the archetypes and what shows up. There's the arachnoids that show up. There's things that look like aliens or greys that show up. Snakes and dragons, I think, too. Yeah, snakes and dragons and cats. But right. nobody talks about the cats showing up. Yeah, Which is always weird because I, wa I watch all this stuff and I read all this stuff. I was like, you guys, you mean to tell me you haven't seen the cats, right? The, cat, the cats show up, whatever, the DMT cats. Everybody talks about elves, but they're... So there, there is something about cats and cat magic that I don't really understand. The Egyptians who were into the occult um, venerated cats... And why? I don't know. I, I don't understand all of it, but there is something for sure about cats in the spirit world. I've got a question for you because I've always wondered this. Um, I've been you know, following stories of DMT trips for years. I've never had the courage to, to take that leap. But uh, a lot of people say that the, the, the experiences are so similar that they believe that it's a, it's a realm that we're actually entering that we share. I'm curious, have you ever been able to actually see another like tripper like another traveler that's that's is or is it always just the the spirits and the elves and all that that you don't you there are people who have claimed that they've had <coughs> shared journeys together okay and there are some people who are facilitators of ayahuasca who would drink a little bit and they could drop in with the person no way. And, and see it that's what they claim and I, I, like I a, like a tandem parachute jump yeah like they're <laughs> in with them dropping in on the experience, I personally haven't seen other people in there, but it's such an infinite realm, and there aren't that many people who right. journey. Right. That, but you you do you do, you do encounter things like cats, and it does exist. So, as to the similarity of the experience, that's where I had the benefit when I was you know encountering this stuff. 
it was pre-internet. Well, there was internet, but it was pre-message Can you just boards. move your mic a little bit closer to you? Sorry yeah. about that. It was pre-message boards, so you didn't really have notes to compare yourself to. Mm. And then you have these experiences, and you don't really understand them or what you see. And then you read the internet, and everybody had the same experience. So the, the skeptics or whatever aren't persuasive to me because it's like, look, dude, I didn't – I look down on people who do drugs. You know, like I'm the last guy in the world who was on the drug message boards on Reddit – Talking about DMT, right? Mm -hmm. I would what kind of loser would ever smoke DMT? It's kind of how I see it. And then you realize, oh no, everybody sort of enters around. There's a, there's a, like your ears ring a little bit. They talk about that. It's like white noise it starts to get a little fuzzy. And after you've done it enough, you know when you're about to journey over, right? So Ooh. depending on your method of delivery, whether people are doing the DMT powder or changa, which is a, it was a herb, or if they're doing ayahuasca, there there's a time where it, once you've gone through the barrier, whatever the barrier is, I don't know, but you feel it. You're like, oh, yeah. the... They call it blasting off. Yeah. You're like, okay, oh, shit, it's about it's about to hit. And then you feel whoosh, or you see a light show, and that's when you know you're in la-la land. So, so I wonder, going back to what Luke had said about the bubble that we're all kind of in, so I wonder if you do if you do DMT with a friend in the same room, on the same couch, you're both doing it. I wonder if you could, in that regard venture over and be in the same whatever together because you're within the same proximity of each other. So, I think you have to be an experienced uh, you know, tripper to be able to do it because, as you said, there was like sometimes there'd be a, a, a not the leader of the seance, whatever they're called. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's always just been such a such an interesting drug to me because it is such a such a bizarre and surreal experience, but also it, it's shared by people. And, and that to me, does sound as how people would describe heaven or something like that. But then I also hear people talk about it as if maybe it's a portal into a more, uh, you know, dark spiritual realm. Sinister, yeah. The So to me, all, all after having enough experiences, the idea that a spirit world exists and is absolutely very real is to me, a, it's like a banal question. It's like saying, does outside exist? So people are like, oh, prove, prove deep. It's like, look, man, I was you 10, 15 years ago. You're insufferable. I was insufferable. I'm not going to debate this. Like you've, what? Like one guy said, buy the ticket, take the ride, right? If you haven't taken the ride, you just you don't have a relevant opinion on this, right? So there, without question, a spirit world exists, yeah. right? The debate would be, well, are you, you're you're encountering entities. You're in, if you've talked to people who've journeyed enough, pre-internet again. So you you know because you don't want to say the bias. Well, now every. I listened to a Cerno thing, and he said he, there was a guide, and then I saw a guide, and that was suggest No, this is all stuff that before people could compare notes, you're gonna, you might encounter a guide, just literally like the guide in Dante's Inferno. Literally like, oh, hey, welcome. I'm going to show you things. What do you want to ask me? And you're asking an entity that or a part of yourself. I don't know what you want to call it. I don't know yet. But whatever you're accessing isn't you. You're like, I'm not remotely this smart i can't think of this stuff if i could write books like this i would be the greatest author by such a, a order of magnitude that people couldn't even comprehend wow. how smart i am so whatever you're accessing isn't you it's not oh you unlocked brain power it's so intelligent so then the question is if you're maybe christian or come from that approach you would say well yeah you're you're countering demons and even though they're nice to you Lucifer appears as an angel of light. We have this in our mythos. We have this in our theology. It's a pretty easy answer. Even the good guys that you encounter in the spirit world are bad, and that's why it's called pharmakeia, pharmakeia, and you're not supposed to do this, and especially Judaic, Christian, Islamic 
traditions say absolutely you can't do this stuff, right? That's why I'm always cautious about um, talking about it too much because I don't want people to think I'm saying go do it because you need yeah. to talk to your priest. You know, I'm not your priest. So there, there's that theory. I personally don't believe that theory, but it's a compelling theory because you go back to the ancient knowledge and here's what the ancients were saying, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's another theory, which is that when people were in the Bible met angels, they were actually terrified, right? And the angels would say, fear not. Yeah. So you would go and encounter these horrific things. There's been recently I've seen posts on Instagram, people taking uh, bi biblically accurate or people creating biblically yes. accurate uh, image replication replications of of Ezekiel, yeah, angels that were in the in the Bible. So and, and they don't and they're look horrifying, like, right? Yeah, they well, I mean they they don't make them look like you know they don't have the ominous look. But if you actually saw it in real life, you be would like, be whoa. it makes sense. You, you would, would fall be to your knees yeah. like they did in you the would Bible. Be like, this is and one of them yeah. that they saw they did a good addition of from Ezekiel is because I got interested in this stuff again after the spirit. That's what got me interested again in Christianity and other things. Because I was pretty much like, dude, Christianity, get out your religion. You guys believe in God, you know. I was that guy, mm -hmm. and because if you live in a rationalistic world and you don't and you don't make room for the possibility of metaphysics, it's of course like physics works a certain way. This is the way the world works, and you can navigate the world using objective. Because you know, I read you guys read Ron. I read all that stuff. Right. Um, same thing too. So if you want to navigate this world, you can't navigate it being metaphysics. Oh, I'm going to walk through this table. There's a table here, and you want you can navigate it around it. So then I wasn't even open to the idea that there was another realm yeah. or infinite number of realms. And then once you go there, you're like, okay, well, there clearly is. And then one of the angels that, that he's talking about, maybe, you know, you can show Luke or whatever. There's one with all the eyes. So what a lot of people see is once you venture over, because you get in different neighborhoods and you see different things. And there's one neighborhood you get into and it looks just like the Ezekiel angel. It's a big circle. And there's all these little different eyes that almost look like look like feathers around the eyes, and they're like staring at you, mm -hmm. and it completely penetrating you. It's absolutely horrific, yeah. horrifying experience. Like it's extremely terrifying because you're encountering whatever you're encountering is so much more powerful than we are that we can't even begin to to comprehend it. We're like a child in the world of giants yeah. when, you know, when you go to the spirit world. Do you, uh, Phil, do you, if you want to send that to whatever uh, that you're exactly. showing, if you want to send that to me on Twitter, okay. uh, definitely send it to me, and then we'll pull it up here so people could see it here. But I had the same kind of understanding of it because there's a lot of people who kind of do these substances, and they are like, they're, they they kind of become addicted to it, and they're like, everyone needs to do this, and they become kind of radicalized by it. Personally, this is something that um, involves larger kind of worlds out there that we still don't comprehend. I don't think we're supposed to comprehend it yet. I think a part of the human experience is not is not comprehending it, and that's why personally, I, I'm not an. I, I don't tell people what to do. I tell them to li listen to their intuition, listen to their gut, do the right decisions that are right for them on an individual one on one basis. And that's why I I, I don't want to be an advocate for for something that I don't completely fully understand. But there there absolutely is something there. The elites believe that there's something there. They do rituals. They do a lot of occult activities that 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 do coalesce around these larger kind of spiritual energies and demons and entities out there as we even have reports of, of U.S. government projects where they literally strap someone down. They call them um, 
uh, astronauts, cosmo cosmonauts, and they have uh, entire IV bags filled with DMT that they link into somebody so they could stay in that realm for a very long time in order to communicate with these entities and these beings. And Some according say to that's what happened in the Unabomber, yeah, and, and according to the to individuals like Tucker Carlson, these are the same individuals, quote, hostile demonic entities that um, are are making a deal with the U.S. government. Um, I don't know if you have any particular comments on that. I know I've I've talked to Tucker a little bit uh, uh, about this, but uh, that, yeah, that's yeah. the Alex Jones, Tucker Carlson Nazi theory, which is that entities were you know that the the Nazis they clearly were into the occult. They were obsessed with encountering these entities and want super intelligence. the The reason I'm less amenable to that point of view is if you've done ayahuasca enough times even when you have a bad time the bad time is about making you relive trauma in a way that helps you conceptualize and repackage the trauma right. so you do it's encounter like you do encounter bad entities but it's almost totally like you guys are killing each other you're not supposed to be doing this this wasn't part of the plan when you come back you need to bring people in to understand that it's very much like woo woo love is the answer. It's very much like woo woo love is the answer, which sounds stupid. But then when you feel it, that it's so that disconnected. <laughs> they're not they're not teaching you. Here's how you make a a nuclear bomb to kill each other. It's actually the opposite. It's yeah. I can't believe you guys are doing this. You encounter um, a lot of anger yeah. from the entities that are very frustrated that this is how we're choosing to live. Wow. And that they can't believe that we're killing each other. So then I read people like Tucker and Alex who've never taken the journey. And I'm like, you guys got to take the ride then. Yeah. You know, if you're going to talk about it with any Take authority. the ride. Because you yeah. do encounter evil entities that do terrify you. And that are, it's, it's a level of sheer terror that other than, say, the cartels kick down the door and they put a machete to your neck. Very hard to replicate in, wow. in human life. But then other people would say, oh, well, a lot of that is just a part of yourself. Yeah. It's the part of yourself that, that's holding on to fear. It's the part of yourself that's holding on to trauma. So even when you go through, and it's really you 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 have bad nights, really bad nights that don't get a lot of talk maybe by people. And even though that bad night, like oh, and I understand, I went through that and I repressed the memory. Mm. You know, so a lot of people were molested and didn't even know. A lot of military guys were molested. That's something you learn too. Yeah. And a lot of people who are, who are holding on to control and holding on to trauma, a lot of psychedelics usually help people release a lot of that as well. Not for some people. Some people, it also just brings them to psychosis. There's been a lot of negative effects with, with, with individuals that I personally knew in my life that literally couldn't stop taking DMT. And, and they were just addicted to it. They had DMT vape pens, and they're like, hit, hit the DMT. And I'm like, relax. I, I think we should have respect for uh, this journey. I think we should treat it uh, in, in a way that, shows ultimately that this is not just for fun. This is not just to get our rocks off. As of course, things like psychedelic mushrooms have been shown to be extremely beneficial, especially to people who have PTSD, especially to people who have addiction issues. And they've shown, especially when you when you match that with good intentions, to actually have amazing uh, results. And again, I'm not advocating for every anything. Do your own homework. Do your own research. I don't want someone to be listening to this, be like, "Yeah, I'm going to do all this." You, you do what is right for you as an individual. We're not here advocating for, for anything, me personally, myself. I don't know if you guys want to. I advocate against. I, yeah. I, I always take the con. Okay. I always say, look, man, if, if you, um, DMT is a little different because you can kind of drop in and out. 
there aren't a lot of ayahuasca addicts in this world. Of course. There, there aren't a lot of psilocybin addicts in this world because mm. I know what I'm getting and I haven't done it for years. And I was even the other day like, man, I wonder if I'm feeling called back to it. And I was like, man, you really have. And that's why people like Luke mentions they get hooked on the journey is if you actually treat it the way you're supposed to treat it, you talk yourself out of it before you can do it. When you're sitting there about to drink it, you're just this is the why am I doing this? This, this is, is so stupid. This is why I'm still yet to do it, even though yeah. I, I first heard Rogan talk about it like fucking 12 years ago, and I was like, I have to do this. To this day, still haven't done it. I'm still so fucking nervous because that's how seriously I take it because I've listened yeah. to all these spiritual journeys about it. Well, uh, you should also purge as well because if you're filled with a lot of toxin, if right. you're filled with a lot of like Western American food, seed oils and high fructose corn syrup, you're going to have a bad trip. Yeah. And a lot of people usually do have really bad trips because their bodies are, are, are filled with a lot of really horrible things and then when you get on this journey it, it shows you what are you doing with your life why are you why are you kind of uh, doing all this horrible uh, substances that are so bad for you so so when you're taking it do you just like fall asleep on a couch or are you like present walking around a room like it, it, so there's different cuz in the west in the west you 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 always want to skip the hard part so if you do it right like say, so say you're doing like DMT people I was at a party and a guy had a DM, DMT and he's like oh you want to smoke DMT and I was like completely offended. I had said because at the time I was still drinking, and um, not that I was alcoholic, but I was still have a couple beers or whatever. And I was like, dude, I just had a couple beers, and you guys are gonna go in a room and smoke DMT. I was, I was like, it was like sacrilegious, you know. It was really offensive. But if you do it right, you do a cleansing process and an intent. Everything before you go in is about why am I doing this? Because if you really understand that you're messing with forces so far beyond your comprehension and strength. Well, why? And, and a lot of times people go, I don't know. I, mean, I figured it out by myself, you know? So then you, you really focus on intent. What, what, what's the point of doing this, right? And you focus on your diet. Most, a lot of people just eat fruit. You, you want to do that. And then if you do it right, there's sometimes people will do a, a circle and then one person will blast off at a time if you're doing DMT or 5-MeO DMT or something like that. But with if you go to like Peru or whatever and do the ayahuasca, you do it in a group setting. You walk up and you get your tea and everybody sits down and you, you know, you drink it bottoms up and then people go through what they go through. Uh, Josie, you sent me this photo. What What is this photo of? And Phil, uh, don't send me a TikTok video. Can you screenshot whatever image you want me to show and then send that to me? But this is the image that Josie just yeah, sent that's me. Uh, I found biblically accurate drawings of Ezekiel. And then this is what people see during their trips, correct? You see things like that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then there's another one with more, more of the kind of eye, the, the eyes looking at you. So when you, when you venture over, like a lot of things happen, especially if you do the full, the full ayahuasca experience, which all ayahuasca is, is uh, has an inhibitor that prevents the DMT from breaking down quickly. So you're doing an ayahuasca night is maybe 10 to 20 DMT journeys. So when people say, oh, I smoke DMT, it's like ayahuasca is because you're, you're in and out the whole night, and it could be up to 20, and each journey is often its own ride. And because the rules of time don't apply there as it does here, it can be an awfully long night, which is why I usually tell people, don't even go near ayahuasca. I think everybody, unless a doctor says otherwise, should occasionally microdose psilocybin, just a little, not not enough to to, to tip over, and then I said, pe most people who are healthy and don't have a contraindication from a doctor or from a diagnosis or a history of psychosis should look over what you call like a tip over journey of psilocybin, which is 
you're you're in it if you want to go in it. But if something happens, obviously you don't leave your house to drive a car, but you can kind of get out of it. But what happens is people, they do these heroic doses. They go, oh, Terrence McKenna said a heroic dose is whatever, three and a half grams. And they three and a half grams and they're in it. They're in it for hours. You're not going to get out of that for six or eight hours. And then they don't have a trip sitter. They have they have a lot of different problems. But I think not even most. I think like 99% of people shouldn't even consider going anywhere near ayahuasca. Some lower percentage of some still very high percentage of people should probably not even go anywhere DMT. And then if they're looking into the other stuff, then microdosing certain things can be very beneficial. Is ayahuasca like a DMT tea? Yes, the okay. tea. Yes, the tea of two different compounds that has the same effects of as DMT. Because DMT, when most people think DMT, they think about smoking it, which is because Joe, Joe's never done ayahuasca, or at least he hadn't, um, Joe Rogan. At least he hadn't, unless he did that recently. He's always talked about smoking DMT, which is a completely different experience from the the ayahuasca, because ayahuasca is a much longer experience. It, it, depending on you know, depending on how deep you get into it, yeah, you're in it, right? So, with DMT, they call it the businessman's trip because you could do it on your lunch hour, <laughs> go back to work. But when you're when you're in it on Aya, like you're not coming out for a long time. Yeah. And you even have moments of lucidity in between journeys where you're like, oh, no, man, I don't want to I don't want to do this anymore. So tough <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah, I've heard a lot of, shit. Lot of we, we got some it. images here that Phil uh, sent us right. specifically from um, I, I believe you, you, I don't know where you found this. Phil, or if you want to explain this, yeah, I just Google. But it, um, this is the A.I. Bible. Is that is that true? That's what it says. Yeah. Or? the I, Yeah. So if you read if you go back and read Ezekiel and how they describe angels. Angels aren't these cherub things, these cute little flying around things. They're, they're something sort of else, and that's why if you read Scripture, it says, fear not. Mm-hmm. That's, what every, that's what every angel says, fear not. Well, wh- why are you saying fear not if it's this cute little thing, mm-hmm. right? That if it was no, a humanoid that yeah. people, you know, it's like people you conceptualize tremble. It. You know, yeah, not. yeah. People are, people are terrified about whatever they're seeing, mm-hmm. and then, then you get into the idea, well, what do they have? Do they have natural DMT? Did they encounter some kind of plant they didn't know? Because you're just roaming around the desert. The acacia plant is what Rogan talks about. Yeah, yeah. You just you're you're eating, snacking on stuff, and you you know you don't really know. Uh, I'd be I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this. Uh, shout out to my Nephilim Death Squad homies. Uh, <laughs> do you think that the uh, the angels reproduced with humans in the early days and created Nephilim? Or is that yeah, nonsense? I read all those guys, Timothy Alberta, and I read all their I've I've the Blurry Creatures pod. I've gone down all those rabbit holes, and I'm left with the same. Confusion maybe is not the right word, but there, you know, on the one hand, Shaq's a giant, so there were there are <laughs> rational explanations yeah. for a giant, yeah. right? So why do we have to believe that Goliath was a descendant of Nephilim because the fallen angels had bred with the daughter the, the daughters of God and the daughters of man? So why do we have to believe in giants when they're like there were giants? But then the flip side is. When you do, especially with ayahuasca, because it's the the natural plant from the Amazon, you do encounter giants, real giants. So, and then if you read Jim Han- uh, Graham Hancock stuff, then they talk a lot about giants, and there's a lot of theory about there was a race of giants and where do they come from. So, I'm a I'm a believer that there were a race of super intelligent giants at some point in history, whether they existed and died out by natural causes and they're just humans like Shaq was or whether they were 
the actual descendants of of the fallen angels. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, that that's another question that people can argue all day. Yeah, Yao Nephilim Ming shit. looks like a freaking freaking alien, <laughs> and uh, there's there's entire species of human beings, according to some uh, archaeologists, that became extinct. There was a whole uh, group of people that had elongated skulls that had babies that were born with elongated skulls in Peru that I previously did some uh, research on. I, I I actually went down there with a, a very prominent uh, archaeologist, and and he took me into the ruins and showed me the skulls, and it was just. Absolutely mind-boggling to, to see all the different potentials. Um, before we go to calls from uh, LukeUnfiltered.com, we have uh, one, MySuperChat.com from LaneBoy3 saying, to quote that one guy from some clip a while ago, there's two things that never let me down, the First Amendment and boobs. Long live liberty. LaneBoy, thank you so much for that. We have a caller that's going to be calling in from LukeUnfiltered.com in just a little bit, but before going to that caller and as we set all of this up, I wanted to kind of change the the topic here a little bit, uh, unless you guys want to jump in really quickly here. I, I had a question about the elongated skulls with the babies. First of all, Nephilim shit. I walked in on that. But uh, secondly... Um, Did baby- Clint poop somewhere? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes when babies are born and they come out of the birth canal, they do have an elongated skull. So I wonder if that's something that happened with these mothers and then they wrapped the skull to keep it that way. Shout out to Isabella Riley. Oh. oh. Right. And, and there's also there, there's Amazonian. Like if you know, the, the early conquistadors came in, everybody got sick and died of smallpox. But there was a guy who wrote a book. Um, he, he did the whole Nile River. And he said he saw giants and he saw these people and everybody said, oh, you're making it up. There was nothing there but because Amazon overgrowth took it all over, right? Because in the Amazon, everything got covered up. So it could just be there were human beings that were not like us and that were giants. And right. there's a perfectly rational explanation. You don't need to splice DNA. But then there's – if you read The Cosmic Serpent and if you've done The Journey a few times – that whatever our DNA is, there's something more to it than we know or that we understand. And then you do wonder, yeah, in advanced, because they would be, the whole the whole God debate would be a sufficiently advanced super intelligence from another dimension. They would be as God and angels to us. So maybe they did True. come in and they play with our DNA a little bit. Yeah. And that's why we have a certain spiritual discernment, but still certain elements of the spirit world are, are cut off from us. The Christians say God put up a veil to protect us from the spirit world because it's too terrifying and everybody being a, a psychosis, which is true. If whatever the veil is protecting us, the, the point is, where's the veil? There is a veil. There's a veil. There is a spirit world, one, just beyond debate. There is a spirit, a spirit world. There is a veil. Did a God, the Abrahamic God, put up a veil to protect us from it? Because if we, if it wasn't walled off, we would all be in psychosis. Or did our DNA get tinkered with by a more advanced society and embodied us so that you know, you, there's ways to access it, but it's going to be a little bit harder than you think. So here's the real world, and then if you want to access it, then you can access it. And then the other argument would be that the, the there is no distinction between us and the rest of the world, which is why a lot of people do psychedelics. Say, oh, we are one. It sounds all very cliche until you've done it. It's all just kind of stupid, right? It's kind of how I saw all this stuff. Oh, we are one. La, la, la. Love is the answer. Love, love everybody. If we just loved each other. Yeah. Oh, I've done. I've done mushrooms. I. I yeah. Then it's th- not. So it's done, not bullshit. You do feel that way, and right. it's extraordinarily profound. Right. Right. So what? So what? What did you get off of mushrooms? 
I I transferred from atheist to agnostic, and I feel like if I were to do DMT, I'd probably go agnostic to you know full blown. So there is a God, but what does this God yeah. mean? You're right. right. Yeah. That's why I'm. There's clearly a God, and there are certain spiritual traditions that are more in tune with what God is. And then is it the only way? That that's where people. That's why I offend the Christians because I like I'm pro Christian, right? Or pro Christianity. Right, because they're, they're, especially the early Eastern traditions of Christianity are clearly a way to put you in touch with a, with a real connection with God, different than this megachurch stuff. I kind of wonder about our founding fathers, had they taken DMT, because many of them were evangelical and other forms of Christianity, and then they, they all like became deists. That's why we have our Bill of Rights in a way that, you know, um, our creator— you know, and many of them, like Thomas Paine, is a famous one. I think uh, George Washington and Ben Franklin both both transitioned into de- uh, to be deists because they 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 decided, like, over a period of however many years, that there was something bigger than them. But it might not be a formal Christian God. But they knew there was something bigger, and they knew that we had these rights inherent to us simply by the virtue of being human. And so, so it makes me wonder if they were. It, it could just yeah. be the. It could be the tribes. They could have gone on a spirit quest with the tribes. Yeah, yeah. It just makes me wonder if they figured out that there was somehow if they were on a DMT trip. Yeah. Is there any way to use this kind of spiritual knowledge and information to help us out in the current situation that we're in now? I think is the question that comes to my mind. Well, I haven't done it, so I'll leave it to Cerno. To well, no. That. It's it's if you've done mushrooms, I mean, it gives you a level of discernment. Right. It, it, it just like you're you're left with a sense. Where where you fall in your own practical ethics is one choice that you have to make because we're all trying to figure things out. But you are left with the sense that whatever this is isn't the real world, right? Whatever the, is this a test to go to see if I go get to, get to go back home? Am I being punished because I was bad back home? So they're saying we're gonna we're gonna send you to the world, right? You get you got to be in the spirit world, but you didn't behave yourself, so now we're going to send you here on this prison planet where you feel alienated because everybody has that feeling, dude. The whole that that's why every culture, every culture is believed in God or gods. And then the more advanced ones trended towards monotheism, which is ultimately the US and then the and then almost a monotheistic deity, which is we have a creator, he created us and now we have to f- sort of figure things out for ourselves and that personally pleading to God maybe not be maybe might not be the way to approach things maybe he doesn't intervene in the way that we think he does but everybody who got advanced realized and and th- then you would say well why is there a need to create a mythos of God or gods because we're alienated from this right this isn't the real world nobody even the, all these people who are atheists it's like okay do you feel like this is home do you feel at this is where you belong. No, you don't. Hmm. Why? So why is there that sense that whatever this thing is, it's not it's not a real home. Okay, well, where is a real home? Right? Is our real home back in the spirit world? Or if we were extraterrestrial, maybe we're extraterrestrial and don't really know it, right? Or maybe we were maybe an, another theory that I like is maybe we're in a spacesuit. Right, and that's kind of Gnostic. That's that's Gnosticism is very misused by certain commentators on Twitter, but Gnosticism is the idea that the body's kind of dirty, 
and we're really a spirit embedded in this kind of gross thing that smells funny. You got to clean it. <laughs> you get infected. It takes all this upkeep. It's a real kind of hassle, you know? Like having a body is kind of a hassle. A lot of wear and care. You got to eat certain foods. You eat the wrong food. It might not agree with you. You might get some kind of genetic disease. It's a real hassle. So the Gnostic approach would say, like, yeah, these are kind of we're extraterrestrial or maybe we're, inter- maybe we're interdimensional, right? And whatever is in our minds is occupying this thing that really doesn't feel like it belongs to us. I'm like, God, what? Are, I got to clean this thing today. You know, what's going on here? It's trying to get me to do things that I don't even want to do. Like, why do I feel rage? I don't want to be angry, right? And you're kind of at war with the body, which is why the Christians talk about it as like a war with the flesh or the Buddhists talking about the real freedom is freedom from desire. Is when you're mm. Because there's a disharmonious or discord between what we feel is our spirit and then what the body says, right? The body says, I want you to be angry. I want you to have lust. Yeah. I want you greedy. Fuck that guy. Take that guy's stuff. Figure out how you're going to have sex with that person. Figure out how you're going to make money. That person looks different than you. you got to hate that person. You're like, where's this shit coming from? <laughs> you know? No, it really is. Like, that's one thing Tucker said that I did agree with, that, like, where forces are acting upon us mm-hmm. in a way that everybody agrees with. Mm-hmm. Where is this impulse? Well, that's our DNA. We evolved from blah, blah, blah. They have their own God, right? Their own God is their just-so story that, well, that's how we evolved, and we evolved in an environment of scarcity. So because well, that still doesn't explain the the almost like voices you hear, you know, not like literal voices that you hear outside of you, but just like, where'd that come from? Yeah. It's not me, man. You know, or that's not even that's not who I perceive myself uh, to be. That's not who I want yeah. to be. I'll, I'll and it definitely to... feels like a larger kind of spiritual... Um, Kind, kind of uh, war out there as well. Uh, but before getting into that, we do have to go to some of the callers on LukeUnfiltered.com. I know, Clint, you want to say something. Yeah. Uh, as I set this up, I, I, I did want to specifically bring up uh, the health aspect of this kind of conversation because I do find it to be extremely important. Uh, there is a lot of upkeep when it comes to this physical flesh suit that we're all in in this spiritual, energetic, uh, dimensional realm. Uh, there's a lot of sleeping. There's a lot of pooping. There's a lot of things that, that people don't have handled. I do believe that we are dealing with numerous health crises that are deliberately put on us by some really awful human beings. I do believe there is a war on our fertility, on our health, on our well-beings. Uh, there's a lot of fats around, more fats than ever. How do we how do we fight all of this? And, and what's some, it, it, I know this is going to be a very hard question, how do we concise a, a larger health message? What, what are some health tips and advice that you found to be the most profound when it comes to upkeeping this spacesuit that we all have here um, in this world? I think a lot of when it comes to health, a lot of it comes down to the way you you feel about yourself. If you don't care about yourself and you don't place value on yourself, you I mean, I go to the gym fairly regularly and there are still times when it's like dragging my butt to get out of the house because just, you know, just don't feel like it or whatever. I procrastinate. But like if you don't care enough about yourself and about, you know, your life and, and your future and stuff. You know, I, I can't see the motivation to go out to the gym and exercise and and do anything other than indulge in the most terrible for you things. Yeah, it's like they want you living a life of despair and want you feeling bad and sad about yourself. I used to smoke cigarettes and I used to drink booze, right? And I quit drinking booze and that wasn't that wasn't really any kind of problem. I quit smoking cigarettes. It was the hardest goddamn thing in the world to do, and I still and like even now I still think about it and crave it, but it's like. I know what cigarettes will do to your body, and I know how they made me feel. Even though when I think about, like, 
when I was actually smoking a cigarette, like it was great. I loved it. I was so ad- I'm so addicted that like you know it's 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 totally the most addictive thing I've ever I've ever experienced. But like because I care about myself, I'm like, look, you can't do this forever. You're gonna die of cancer if you don't. So. You quit. But isn't it interesting you have to talk to yourself, though? Yes. That's what I mean about the war between yes. this weird alienation. Because I think about that all the time. Like, I just had some negative, like, you're driving, like, fuck that guy. And it's like, why? Yeah, yeah. What did he do? Fuck him. I fucking hate that guy. I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah. What? Where did this shit come from? Like, why do you have to tell yourself, okay, we got it? It's like a dialogue. All right, you gotta go to your cardio today. Exactly, you gotta get on your pallet and put it's on one your of the, shorts. Yeah, but, so but like, fuck when, when it comes though. to like, uh, so like meditation or mindfulness, I know you you've talked about that and stuff. But like, I I don't do it as frequently as I should, but I do enjoy it. And one of the things that I learned by doing it was you can step out of the stream or river of emotion and watch it go by. Yeah, and you can just be like, if you're feeling something, you can decide. I don't really want that. And you can literally say, I don't want that. And it's almost like you're just stepping out of the, the bathtub. And you're an observer of it exactly. rather than being and hijacked a, by it. You're a third party. You are watching this, this feeling just leave you at once you say, I don't want to hold on to that. And then I started to think of it as an indulgence when I'm actually holding it. Like you talk about driving or whatever. I'm so mad because someone cut me off or whatever. It's like, I can just let it go. Or there are times where I'm like, I want to. to And I'm like, oh my God, this is an indulgence. I'm sitting here feeding myself emotions that are satisfying me, even though it's anger that I'm feeling. But it's and it's literally indulging myself in that anger. And you don't have to. You don't have to you don't have to let any of that stuff hold on to you. You all you have to do is want to let it go. And it re it is amazing how you can actually just step away from it. Yeah. uh, I would I would go in the direction of I drink a lot of water. Um, hydration is huge. Everybody is dehydrated. You're probably dehydrated now. Everybody go drink some water, please. Um, and make sure you get electrolytes into your body too, because a lot of times water doesn't hydrate you. Uh, you actually need uh, the, the salts and the electrolytes that are, that are better and that are going to help to fully hydrate you. So water is very important. I don't drink alcohol. I, I watch my portion sizes. If you've ever eaten with me, I eat a very little bit at a time, but I do that all day long. I'll just eat all day long if I can. Clint, why are you drinking that little soy boy water filled in microplastics? What are you doing there? That's worse than like government water. <laughs> I got my aspartame over here too. Luke already asked me about my Coke Zero for breakfast. I, I was like, yeah. Mike, what are you doing? I was like, Mike, what are you doing here? I was like, come on, man. We got to get rid of the aspartame and the high fructose corn syrup I, and the sea I, oils I think and though the bridge, the spirit physical thing is what Phil was talking about. And if you look at the language, that's something too I learned. I went to a whole seminar on metaphors and human thought. George Lakoff, Metaphors We Live By. I always recommend that book to people. I always, you, you, language patterns reveal the deeply embedded metaphorical structures we have. And he said, you, you, it's like you're feeding something, mm-hmm. right? So then I just started to think, I'm, that's demons. I don't know if it is or, you know, but so then I think these motherfuckers want me mad because they hate God's creation. They hate me and they know where my head's going. Your, your head's going the same way. Like, you know what? Fuck this guy. Why don't we pull over, motherfucker? Pull over, pull over. You know, fuck it, right? Mm-hmm. How stupid! It's dumb. But but it but there's some kind of entity or energy within yourself acting upon you. So then 
you're feeding into that, and then you feel good. Mm-hmm. I feel good talking about it. Yes, I'm yes. getting mad <laughs> and thinking I love this feeling of being Dude, angry. Just, just yeah. thinking Why? about like your your most recent road rage will be like it'll get a little adrenaline juice. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, and then you're that, like, why? Why is it that that I want to feel this way? And then as you do more of the spiritual work, you realize that it's because usually in childhood there was a time where you felt powerless, and then you become a big strong man. Or you think you are one, you know you are, you yeah. think you are one. And then you say, this is why a lot of military guys got molested. You really learned that in these circles. Is you say, I'm gonna become the kind of person that isn't helpless, isn't a helpless child. That, that no one will ever fuck with you. Yeah, again. yeah. But yeah. but then you realize so what you're doing is the 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 fear that you have of what I learned from the from these weirdo spiritual people is you know what, if you're angry, you know what you can do? You can go sit by yourself and sit with it, mm-hmm. and you can just feel angry. So there's been times where I've sat alone in my office lane. I'm like, hey, babe, I got to – because you got to have conversations with your partners and spouses and everybody about this. And fortunately, mine already knew I was fucking weird, so this is just another weird thing I do now. <laughs> right? It's, it's just like added on to all the fucking weird shit she knew that she was getting, getting mm-hmm. into. It's like, oh, yeah, baby, by the way, I need to just go sit be angry. And you realize you could just sit there and be angry, and the feeling, you know what happens? It passes. Mm-hmm. Yep. It passes, so you don't have to feed it. And then the, the and then the more and more and more you do it, I've learned, it takes years. Unfortunately, I wish this stuff happened yeah. quickly. Mm-hmm. It takes years, and then you realize, yeah, actually, f- you know what? Fuck that guy. But I don't care. I was probably that guy last week. Mm-hmm. Right, right, I right. cut somebody off accidentally, and I waved, and the guy kept honking it because this happened to me actually a couple days ago, where he couldn't decide if he which lane he wanted. He's one of classic like. Dude, what lane are you in? Yep. Because I'm trying to move. So then I cut him off, even though it was his fault. So I give him the obligatory, hey, man, my bad, even though it wasn't, because I'm trying to be the bigger person. And he's fingering me. (laughs) Ordinarily, I'd want to play into that. You know what? Fuck you. You know? And then I thought, whatever, dude. He thinks I'm that guy. Mm -hmm. I was him a week ago. Right. And I was a retard. Now I realize what I look like. (laughs) And the rear view. That was me. Dude, that's an advanced level. I'm going to be an asshole to Seamus. I'm like, sorry, Seamus, it's a demon speaking, not me. I apologize. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Uh, We do have a caller from uh, Keith here who uh, called in. He's a member of LukeUnfiltered.com. We're going to do our best to pull up the audio and video. We could hear you, Keith. Uh, I think we're having some problems with video, but we could hear you. uh, And if you want to say anything and ask your question, feel free to ask right now. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, Mike Cernovich, uh, I remember you had something to do with an Epstein lawsuit. And uh, I was wondering if you could just give us all the 30,000 foot view or however you want to put it. Yeah, we, we did that this morning on Tim. So I don't want to be the old man repeating his story. Oh. No, no, I, I'm okay. not blowing you off. I'm not blowing you off. I'm going to tell you. But an abbreviated view because we went through it in every uh, detail on the Tim thing. But I'd filed right. a at, at the time there was a civil lawsuit pending against Ghislaine Maxwell, Virginia Roberts. There was a lot of interest in who Jeffrey Epstein was. There was no way to get a hold of the criminal file against Epstein. The docket was completely filed under seal in federal court of in the case against Ghislaine Maxwell. So then we said. Mendoza, Mark Mendoza, my lawyer, and I, well, he said, here's a good idea. Go in and move to intervene as a, as a uh, media outlet and then try to get these documents unsealed. Yeah, we did a full, what was it, two-hour broadcast Ooh, on uh, Tenant yeah. Media. Yeah. I got another 
two-hour broadcast ahead of this one, so we're going to have to end this show here. Keith, sorry we couldn't show you. We have we were having some technical difficulties. I'm happy that's the only technical difficulty we're having here because we literally sprung this up last minute. There was headaches after headaches technically, but we, we I, I think this was an absolute awesome, incredible show. Keith, thank you so much for being a member of LukeUnfiltered.com. Thank you. Uh, thank you for calling, and thanks for your great question. And uh, definitely do check out um, The Culture War with Tim Pool. Phil was there. I was there. Mike was there. Two hours on the Jeffrey Epstein saga. We definitely went into it. We got a rumble rant from Ian Crossland here asking, when you see the spirits, listen to them. You have no duty to respond. Time is irrelevant. Listen to them and they will settle. Uh, That's what Ian Crossland uh, said here. So, uh, uh, other than that, I, I thought this conversation was extremely fascinating. I thought it was very interesting. I think it was definitely not superficial, like any kind of sports ball talk. And and I want to thank you guys personally for for being a part of this broadcast, even though it's kind of janky, even though we're still making sense of uh, all the technical stuff here. I'm doing all the button switching here as well as you can see me here in the backdrop here. We, we're definitely going to bring out a different layout here, but the way that the, the the way that we've just been able to pull this off has been magical. So especially thank you. Clint for uh, helping us out here and making a lot of this. I've been wanting to talk to Cerno for years. So yeah, I I was when he told me this morning that I got the green light from Mike. I was like, I'm going to make this fucking studio happen whether I die (laughs) doing it. So yeah, I'm flattered. Thank you. And then we're going to have some really awesome guests also coming on. uh, We don't know when we're going to go live. So uh, whenever we're going to have Vivek, we're going to go live with Vivek. Uh, there's other really big, powerful people that are going to be all around uh, this uh, campaign that uh, could stop in at any moment, at any time. So subscribe, click the notification button. Rumble is where it's at. I really like Rumble. Uh, download their app. They have a new TV app as well. Sign up for an account. And uh, when you do, you really do help us out a lot on thebestpoliticalshow.com. And 100K, Clint gets tasered. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. I'm going uh, to make Luke do a DMT trip so he reconsiders his desire to abuse me like this. Well, no, this is not abuse. This is this is This, this is, is celebratory? You know, it, 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 New Yorkers, you know, show respect by, by busting each other's balls, by being hard on not each other. Not with tasers. Uh, we, I got tasered on camera before with Tim Pool. Um, oh, okay, okay. And it's not that bad. It hurts. It's, you'll be you'll 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 be floored. You'll, is it a rite of passage? It could be. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Hundred K subscribers. We're almost there. Uh, before leaving, uh, where can people find out more about you, amazing human beings who are part of this broadcast? Uh, I'm Josie, the redheaded libertarian. You can find me at T R H L official over on X, or you can become a member at TimCast.com and help support our work over there. Clint Russell, Liberty Lockdown, uh, co-host of Tower Gang and co-host of TheBestPoliticalShow.com. And uh, I think that Luke and myself will probably be on IRL tonight, so make sure you guys check that out. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us. It's really been uh, a deep dive. I love I love going deep because so, so many shows are so fucking superficial, so this was really fun. Uh, I am Phil That Remains on X. I am Phil That Remains Official on Instagram. The band is all that remains. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, uh, Pandora, YouTube, you know, the internet. He, he was famous before internet fame. I, I had real, started real fame before. started doing stuff a long time ago. I'm an old guy. Yeah, that's good, though. <laughs> there, um, it, was, it was actually funny because I remember when I saw you surface on the Twitter, I was like, now X, but obviously, but I was like, is that the guy from the band? <laughs> no, that's not the guy from the band. That's the so, guy from the yeah, band. Yeah, no, it, it was the guy from the band. band. Okay, that, that's fun. Uh, MikeSermich.substack.com, and then I'm, I'm always in. 
on X at Cernovich. Yeah, if my guys are watching, put all their links in the description. Um, great freaking show. This was really awesome. Thank you guys so much for making Thank it you. happen. I hope you guys appreciated it. If you did, share this broadcast with your friends and family members. Uh, don't should yourself. Have an awesome life. Become the best, strongest, most amazing version of yourself. And don't let anything freaking stop you. Love you guys. Stay tuned for more.